is done. This is Gary Legere. Welcome, boys and girls. And you're listening to another episode of In the Interest of Justice. So, how are all you uh, white supremacists, domestic terrorists, racist, bigot patriots doing today? Again, welcome to another law-breaking show. You know, notwithstanding the shit show we had last time, uh, what a waste, what a joke. But, you know, I, I was able to at least vent for my situation going on a little bit. But that being said, here we are with a better guest who will not be hanging up on you. Let alone hanging up on us. It was really hanging up on you all. Saying, fuck you all. And, oh, you know what? It's bullshit. We're moving on, right? So that being said, uh, again, today's uh, October 5th. And uh, harvest time is almost here for all you people who love to grow them big mean green buds and stuff. You know, this is that time of the year. So I can't wait. You know, but also I'm up many late nights being my own security along with my puppies. So, that being said, we got another law-breaking show for you all today. Again, in a land and in a country that's supposed to be home of the free and brave has been overthrown by commies and Marxists and Nazis. Yes, and everything that the travesties going on in our justice systems transforming over to that commie system of the yellow fringe that surrounds the flag. Our flag's red, white, and blue, not red, white, blue, and gold. The gold fringes is there as a reminder that they're chokeholding us. They got us surrounded. They got us subdued, and they're trying to do all these commie courts like what's going on now with Jones right now, what they did to President Trump, to Trump with the January 6th so-called farce hearings and the unselect committees to cover up for their insurrection from November 3rd. That's right, I said it. Come lock me up, you sons of bitches. You fucking commies, we are not going to give in to you. And I shall never will. And I can't wait till the day comes to when we topple you. But that is being said, it's like the law that represents us. It's like sacred rights, sacred pages that you are not allowed to really delve into or to use and to utilize, which it is, is our constitutional right, which is the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the amendments, yada, yada, yada. All that yada, yada, yada is very important shit that defines us as exceptional. Yes, exceptional of the world. Not of the shithole nations of the earth that are all coming in through our borders now to help replace us and to help uh, unleash onto us as they destroy this country. Because they're doing the same thing, you know, with the cult of the blood bar. You know, you pay thousands of dollars for lawyers, but yet we have laws there that if we were taught these from school early on till graduation, let alone afterwards for college and want to get more advanced, you would have enough skills to defend yourself without paying thousands of dollars to someone that you can't even trust is going to really even be there fighting for you to begin with as they're all in bed together. The blood bar cult. But we got a real cool show for you all today as we're going to have guest William Wagner on with us. And I believe we have a uh, co-host Frank Kinesia on with us. Frank, you here, brother? You gotta I'm here. <laughs> you got to get used to that mic, but you will. So, Frank, it's another law-breaking show, and here we are again. We're, you know, traversing along. And again, if it wasn't for Frank, this show would not be existing. I do not come at this with any knowledge of the law of those that be, and I have learned to get, garner respect for it, which we all should. And it's, it's like a Swahili at this point, Frank. We're all Americans, and no one's really knowing of the things that 
uh, protect us and utilize for our rights, whether guilty or innocent, Frank, and for what those that dispense the law are supposed to abide by and understand, but you yourself, as you're battling with, which we'll get into toward the end of the show after our guest, uh, they, they are not going that way. They, they use it to their advantage and their corruption, and they still sit, sit in those seats while we, the people, literally pay and suffer figuratively and literally. Uh, so, again, I'd like to thank you, Frank, for help initiating this idea. It will grow and show. So, uh, that being said, I got some news I'd like to get into, everybody. You know, everyone just go to intheinterestofjustice.us. That's intheinterestofjustice.us. Scroll on down the page, see the information for today's guest, William Wagner, and uh, be sure to check out that movie, My Son Hunter. And I also put up another video called Uninformed Consent 2022. Watch it. These are all injustices. Everything that's going on is just so, so much that I can't even scratch the surface with. We only have a two hour, well, it's supposed to be two hours. Sometimes it may go a little over. You know, some of you know me, that's easy to do. But that being said, we have also a new, little news section. Again, just a couple little things that doesn't scratch it. But I think these are important as this latest one is huge. Election company Konek, or Konech, Konek, I'll say, CEO Eugene Yu. Another commie chink arrested in Los Angeles for theft of personal data of election workers. Data what? Sent to China. You see? Data sent to China. Tell me they don't have their sticky little commie fingers in all of this. All right, and I, I would love to read the articles. A couple of them I'm going to get into because they're important, but for the same time, in order for our co-hosts and you, the listeners, and to bring on our guests, we'll just try to keep this short. But that's very important, and it shows that their handiwork's uh, going on. I'm glad they were arrested. He was arrested, but what's going to really happen from it? Because those that are in bed with them overthrew our government with the commie chink's help. I say it outright. You're breaking the law. You, I'm not breaking the law. What? Their law. To their democracy. We're a constitutional republic. Oh, you're a threat to our democracy. You're a threat to our democracy. The commie chiefs are a democracy. We don't want none of their democracies here. You understand? We are a democratic republic. Constitutional republic. There's a difference between democracy and what we are. Remember, we are exceptional. Don't let them take that away from us. Anyway, this next one. New York Times cheers for Ukrainian Nazi fighters recently released by Russia. You know, click on that link and, uh, and read these articles at your, you know, earliest convenience. But uh, at the end of this article, when you read it, there's a question, and it's a good one. Biden's associates in Ukraine include violent neo-Nazis. That's right. We overthrew that government. The same ones that overthrew our government are the same ones that overthrew the Ukrainian government in 2014 and set in real Nazis. So Biden's associates in Ukraine include violent neo-Nazis. What is the real reason for Biden's actions in Ukraine? Think about it, people. They don't want peace with Russia. Russia had the right to annex territories with the people's consent. Many of them speak Russian or in Russian anyway. You know, they were being persecuted and bombed and used. 
to, in order to try to draw Russia in. They want a war with Russia. They want a nuclear war at Russia. Elon Musk says out a proposal the other day, have the UN go in and let the people vote whether they want to stay with Russia or Ukraine, go to Russia or Ukraine. Basically, they literally told him, this is their exact words, fuck off. <laughs> How diplomatic. But yet, Russia sending out its subs of the doomsday title, title, radiation title, uh, title wave creator to destroy cities and continents for, for decades. You know, it ain't no Chernobyl shit there. But is that the scare event that we're all being led to? Because there's only some part before we deal with these assholes, okay, that, uh, they're going to do the things that they're doing that, that the way that there could be no explanation, no reason, excuse given for what they are, who they are, and what they have done to this country and where they were bringing us. So let's hope there is a plan. And then notice President Trump said last week that he's more than willing to negotiate a deal between them. And I think the world is welcoming it. Okay? Because we know what these traders here are doing. They want us to also get nuked. Remember, they want their new world order, and they definitely do not want their crimes and the powers and position they are to utilize and usher in this new world order to be exposed. They're racing full speed ahead, even with their mask off now. You can see them. And they still want you to take commie shots. But anyway, let's get back into this. I want to get into because a couple of these I do want to read, especially as regards to the importance of the January 6th non-insurrection. The cover-up of the insurrection from those that overthrew our government from November 3rd are the ones that staged this bullshit. Nothing worse. It's the worst thing since 2001, 9-11. And uh, get the hell out of here. And uh, what? A Pearl Harbor. Give me a break. That's what they wanted to create, but it didn't go that way. And we now know there was uh, many... Homeland Security and FBI people out there in the crowds. But here's an important update. January 6th prisoner beaten and blinded by guards. That's right. Now being pressured not to speak the Gateway Pundit, okay, after their, his recent interview. The feds tell his wife that she can't speak to him anymore. Who the fuck are they to say that they're going to suppress their uh, First Amendment rights? Free speech, which we abide and go here on this show, as you can hear me now. And if you're offended by me, you can just take your transtestical vaginuses out of here, go to your cry closets, go wherever else you want to go. I had the right to say what I'm saying, all right? Because we have a motto here, too, that this show is obviously also founded by, all right? And I want to say that before I read this news thing, and that is... That if he who is not angry when there is just cause for anger is immoral. Why? Because anger looks to the good of justice. And if you can live amid injustice without anger, you are immoral as well as unjust. And I will add, and are part of the problem that needs to be eradicated from this country. Not us. Okay, not we the people. All right, now, this is very, I want to read this a little bit. Because this is so sad. Because this is what's going on. And you're going to get a kick out of where this goes next. But uh, I'm going to read this. Here comes another reminder that the FBI and DOJ have been weaponized against half the country and need to be either severely reorganized or disbanded. And I will say attacked. Rescue them out of that prison. 
But last week, Gateway Pundit published an interview with January 6th prisoner Ryan Samsell. And he was beaten till his, you know, he lost an eye. Later, he was tied to a chair for 12 hours. Now he has blood clots and precancerous growth. Government will not allow him medical treatment. They want him dead. You heard that right. In the interview, Samsell went into great detail about the three separate occasions on which he was beaten by federal prison guards. The beatings resulted in one, blindness in one eye, two, blood clots from being tied to a chair for 12 hours, three, broken bones in his face, four, fractured skull, five, broken nose, six, ruptured kidney, seven, black eyes and severe bruising to his face. Think about that. Then after receiving some initial medical treatment, precancerous growths were spotted on his chest. The doctors recommended that Ryan receive treatment and surgery that he would require he be transferred off-site to be seen by a specialist. But Truder informed the Department of Justice or Injustice prosecutor Karen Rockland vigorously opposed the surgery and biopsy. Ryan was left without treatment to rot in his prison cell. Ryan Samsell lives in fear for his life because of federal prison guard thugs and, of course, their commie Marxist Obama emplacements. Remember, we've been infiltrated and DOG and DOJ prosecutors we will just have to hope the judge grants in the needed medical treatment at some point. Notably, Ryan Samsell has not been convicted of anything. He still possesses the 14th Amendment rights of a pretrial detainee. Uh, which means that the federal government has an even greater duty to attend to the man's health and safety, as as well as any incarcerated person in jail. You are there. They got to take care of you. That's how it should be. But so far, the government has deliberately failed at this. His 14th Amendment rights were brutally violated. Hey, Amnesty International, where are you? Rhetorical question. I mean, and it, it goes on for a little bit more. But let's go to the next one because this is related. Okay. As breaking 34 U.S. political prisoners, let me read that again, sorry, 34 U.S. political prisoners in D.C. Gulag demand transfer, get this, to Guantanamo Bay to escape intolerable conditions in heartbreaking letter. Remember all those lefty, you know, wingbats, dingbats, back in the day they wanted to give these Islamic terrorists oh, better life, uh, better better conditions in Guantanamo. Right? Well, check this out. This is important. 34 U.S. political prisoners of the Biden regime penned a very sad letter this week requesting a transfer to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, facility where they would receive meals, sunlight, freedom of religion, exercise, entertainment, and be treated like human beings. But yet they were supposed to be treated as enemy combatants, as they're not citizens. But yet look what's being granted under them as if they are citizens. Things are kind of backwards now. Don't you think, you American domestic terrorists, racist, bigot patriots? Are you mad or are you unjust and immoral? But these 34 January 6th political prisoners have been held for over a year and a half without trial for misdemeanors and trumped up, pun intended, felony charges. But yet they have not been to court. Think about this. This group of men have been isolated, beaten viciously, abused, threatened, tormented, and belittled by the guards based on their political and religious beliefs. Find out who those guards are. Hey, they got to go home. They got. They have homes. They have families. 
They have names. Maybe some people should pay them visits just to knock on their door and say hello. The men and women have been without medical assistance, medications, exercise, and most of these men have been held in isolation with little human contact for months at a time. This gets much worse, people. This is America's future. If the good of the people of the country do not stand up and demand an end to this injustice and this bullshit. These men and women know that if they were to be moved to Gitmo, they would not have flooded toilets, mold, flies, and frequent beatings. There's other things to read, but there's a transcript of the letter. When one considers a society that distinguishes itself upon the standards of a first world country, that they're trying to turn us into a third world nation, allocation among the other numerous nations around the globe while informing its citizens that they belong to a country that ensures liberty and justice for all, it's difficult to imagine then that the United States of America, again, which has been overthrown by commies and Marxists and transtestical, uh, uh, you know, libtards, all right, and Satanists, kid fuckers, and supposedly the wealthiest nation in the United States on the planet would subjugate its own citizens to that of incarceration and injustice instead, all while administering medieval standards of living to the agonizing occupants of its correctional facilities. What a shame. A more accurate terminology to describe the facility and the staff that this letter has escaped the clutches of uh, that you now read would be to call this location an evisceration facility of the body, mind, and soul operating as an abomination to the law and to its nation's government, which ironically lies only a handful of blocks away. For nothing is being corrected with the forsaken concrete walls of the District of Columbia Jail. Its woeful captors are all but slowly murdered in every way except for their very soul being ripped from their famished chest on behalf of its mercilessly sinister institution. As prisoners of this jail, we have witnessed the horrendous treatments and have been personally afflicted and I'll say affected by the hellacious conditions this jail insists on, torment, on tormenting its traumatized guests with. Again, guests, that's a better word. As they haven't been, where's the charge? They still haven't been to court. They should have been freed long ago. But those words will always fall short of an accurate depiction of the magnitude of pandemonium that every prisoner within these walls has had no choice but to endure what follows is a collection of repeated offenses this correctional facility habitually habitually submits upon its captives. For if this pale dungeon of human rights violations dared to summon any honesty of hard choice pertaining to the abhorrent atrocities that take place behind these unforgiving doors, then they should erect a sign above the front gate that says, Abandon all hope, ye all who enter here. The destitute and desperate prisoners of 1901 D Street, Southeast Washington, D.C., 2000, well, 2003, have and will continue to endure a combination of any and all the following. Begging for help, water, medical aid, mercy through a four-inch by ten-inch window of cold metal doors. No visitations, no religious services, no attorney access. Mail delayed three to four months prior to delivery. Laundry returning with brown stains, pubic hair, and of reeking of ripe urine. Worms found in salad of meals. Inadequate calorie count of meals. This is all disgusting and injustice. And then yet we... 
stand outside, some of us who are patriotic, why are we rushing in? Inadequate calorie count of meals, complete lack of nourishment in meals, loss of head hair due to malnourishment of meals, loss of eyesight due to malnourishment of meals. This goes on, and I want to read them because it's that important. Because this is in the interest of justice and in the interest of our own country this people. Because this will, will be done to us all. Suffering from scurvy due to malnourishment of meals. Blatant, extor blatant extortion via commissary in order to maintain health or body weight. Rust in the water. Rust in jagged metal desks and cells. Rust on metal cages near face on small windows of cells. Black mold on walls of cells. Black mold on floors of cells. Black mold in vents of cells. If this was any apartment buildings, they would have all the people evacuated and the, pe the people would be fined and until and forced to fix all this bullshit. But yet, look what they're doing to our prisoners. And those are government controlled, right? What's wrong with this picture? Wake up! Broken sinks and cells. Broken toilets that either won't flush or repeatedly explode in cells. Cockroaches in cells, cell block. Mice in cells, cell block. Black mold on floors and walls of showers and cell block. Black sewer flies in the shower. Denial of basic cleaning equipment to sanitize living space. Denial of personal grooming allowed. Forced to use nair on head and face that leaves chemical burns on the skin. Stuck in cells for nine days without shower. Improper medical care. Medical care arriving months later, months later or none at all. Lead paint inside cell, cell block. No access to discovery. Frank, I'm sure that would piss him off. No legal support, such as laptops, printers, copiers. Denial of legal mentors. Vaccine requirements for visitations, which means the commie shots. They want to kill everyone else, all ye who enter. Vaccine requirements for visitors. Visitations. Vaccine requirements for haircuts. What? Vaccine requirements for religious services, you son of a bitch. Vaccine requirements for speaking with lawyers in person. You cocksuckers. CRT propaganda on tablets. Critical race theory propaganda on tablets. Re-education propaganda on tablets. Sounds like the commie chinks are in control of this place. Lack of legal documentation on tablets. Racially biased information on tablets. Removal of internet access booster for educational tablets. For those that are bitching about me taking this time to do this, well, wake up. Then you are unjust as well as immoral because if you're not pissed off, removal of internet access booster for educational tablets, which is what, that CRT braces bullshit? So, uh... Solitary confinement for 25 and a half hours or more at a time. Outdoor rec denied arbitrarily. Ent entry to congressmen and, yeah, entry to congressmen and women who came to check on us denied. Denied? Denied? How can congressmen and congresswomen who come to check on them be denied? Think about it. They should be calling in the fucking bulldozers and the army or whoever you want to pull out, pull them out. Repeatedly mocked and or insulted for our skin color or religious documentation. Compared to beasts, dogs, and hogs by the Final Call magazine. Follow those cards home. 
put out where they live. Take pictures of them and their family. Two can play at this, motherfucker. Politically mocked my staff with Democrat. Black Lives Matter. Kamala Harris. Joe Biden related attire. Sent to the hole if we express any political views whatsoever. Racially profiled by guards. Sleeping on the job by guards. Denial of hot water by guards. Prevented from attending court dates by guards. Homosexual or verbal assaults by guards. See, they got their army of homos. Commie homos. Useful idiots who when the commies take over, they'll be the first to get the bullets in the head for useful idiots. Maced by guards. Physically harassed by guards. Assaulted by guards. Cell invasions in the middle of the night by guards. Grievous beatings by guards. Threatened with and or nearly stabbed with 12-inch knives. Trials postponed for at least six months or almost a year. Bond bail continually denied. I just think of my uh, co-host here, Frank. He has a great way of putting it forth. Denied. Denied. They love to say denied. Well, yet they break the law that they're supposed to uphold. Removal of internet access of clear tablets. Removal of access to attorney. Removal of access to law library. They don't want you thinking and reading for yourself. They want you. Uh, 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 uh. Removal of access to worship services. Removal of access to grievance forms on tablets. I mean, there's more for the rest of the article, but for time's sake and respect for our guest, who's a big, who's a big name. He has, you know, quite the balls to speak up on and what justice is which many of us should too. Why is it that it's like we have to treat those that do like they're fucking Superman when they're American? That's what endows us. That we're all exceptional if we all have this knowledge. And we do. That We just don't get taught it. We get discouraged and we get complacent. And they're then those who think they rule us like they're gods. And use the justice system for some type of religious right, cult, of the blood bar, and we are just peasants. We're not allowed to adhere to or to use those sacred scriptures because it brings down their downfall once we wake up. Do you get it? But Frank, this is so disgusting. One more, just for the interest of justice. I'm sorry, everybody, but I get really, really fucking mad at what's going on because that is what they ultimately want to do to us. Now, recently... And Frank knows this well, a storm, a hurricane, I'll say, a weather-manipulated attack on America, okay? But if that's too conspiratorial, Ben, for you, a storm, a hurricane came into America through Florida. That bitch, Kamala Harris, you know, she has a home, too. She has a way home. Yes, she has security people. She has family. Target them. Yeah, you heard me say that right. Am I telling you what to do after you target them? No. But many people out there can figure out certain things to get messages across to the enemies of the state, of we the people who now we are the domestic terrorists, white supremacists, racist biggest patriots. But this bitch had the audacity to all the people that suffered. I have family and friends down there and and, and in the areas that were hit as well. And they're they're just doing what they got to do. Thank God they're alive. I'm sure there are many who aren't. You see those pictures, everybody? Those videos? 
It's horrible. And this bitch, Kamala Harris, I'm going to play this. I think that that's the best way to do it instead of me ranting about it. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making. Place it where places of people of color beyond their issue. Everyone else could go fuck yourselves because that means you're white. And so we absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we we fight for equality, but we all they fight for equality, but some are more equal than others to get the funds to get the help to pull out of something that everyone in these communities went through. Black, white, purple, pink, polka dotted, trans testicle fags and everything else. And yet, why don't we separate them? No, you're separating whitey, you dumb bitch. We're going to come for you soon, you cunt. also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities. Um, and and do that work. There are people clapping for this bitch for what she just said. There should be what you know bringing up nooses that she's so afraid of that they wanted to have pulled down in lynching laws because they're doing shit that will get them lynched, deservedly so. Deservedly so. And for all you, you people out there, the bitch is not black. She's a pretender. She ain't black. The things that are said out of her mouth. Oh, we got to choose me. But yet you'll send all our billions of dollars to a fucking army of Nazis. Do that in your own stronghold of sexual trafficking, sexual deprivation, and uh, even, you know, worse acts. Nazis to create for in one world order and to destroy Russia. You're sending our money there. Poking the bear, which is you guys, they've been just trying to do nothing all along but to come to the table. You guys had agreements. You fucked them over. You overthrew the Ukrainian government. Just like you overthrew the Iraqi government. Just like you did in Afghanistan. Just like you were doing in Syria and other places around this world. Probably also had Maduro down there in Venezuela put in. You commie sons of bitches. We know what you're about. And we're not going to let you get away with this shit. But click on that link. Then you can hear the FEMA chief respond to Kamala Harris's claim. Basically, she ain't digging out from what she said. But she's trying to make it sound like she don't agree. But it'll go to, you know, we're helping people. Yeah, you're helping people. Really, FEMA? Then why is it I hear that you're fucking mocking people who are stuck on rouge? You're not pulling them out. You're going into people's homes. You're stealing their fucking guns, their jewelry, their money. How is it that if this ain't true, I heard, I read in a news article, I thought I saved it, sorry everyone, or I would have included it. The National Guard busted them, some FEMA operatives, and with stolen guns that they stole from people's houses, trying to say that they're legitimate, and they're just telling them to contact the hires up of Homeland Security, and I, the guy's name's on the tip of my tongue, the political guy, that you know should answer for this shit. They're not helping people. They're doing the same shit that they did down there during Katrina. They weren't out being heroes. Remember, these are the same people that are building camps for all you 
domestic white supremacist uh, terrorist, racist bigot patriots. Remember, we are the terrorists now. We are Al-Qaeda now, because it's the same people that pulled this shit in the other lands. And now we can see clearly what it was about. Everyone wasn't a terrorist over there. They were overthrowing governments, putting in puppet governments like they did here with Potato Joe there. Pulling the same shit over there. The people didn't want those governments. Wow. Guess you're Al-Qaeda now, trying to include you in the loop and predator drone bombings. Is that what's up also up for us next? He has hinted at us how we would be, you know, we were going to need F-15. You know, not just a gun. Meaning that, you know, we'll have to fight the, our own military. Why do you think they're weaning them out? Why do you think they're destroying and decimating our military, especially now, bringing us to a point of a world war, potentially, while getting rid of people that they consider, you know, again, the bag of deplorables, giving them the commie shots. There was even a guy, a Coast Guard, who rescued uh, someone who was drowning. Biden calls him up. Oh, you don't do the political Potato Joe, uh, you know, uh, praise that he's such a hero. But yet, he's being canned in a couple days for not having the commie shots. They want to address that shit. What is wrong with this picture? Frank, we are under attack. Do you still think that we could take this nation back with the understanding of the laws? Do you see what makes me so fucking mad, especially about what's going on there at that D.C. jail? Frank, what the hell is wrong? Are we in the Twilight Zone? You want me to answer? Yes. I said enough. I think I I said enough. Well... Justice moves like a snail, but eventually it moves. And uh, when held to the Constitution, uh, these people are going down. And uh, it's just a matter of time. And we're uh, and in November. The Republican, Republicans are going to take back the uh, House and perhaps the Senate. And, uh, and everything's going to change. So I'm optimistic. Now, you're well aware of the fact they're trying to create World War III. Wouldn't that stave off and or prevent any upcoming elections? Well, who knows? I mean, you know, if they declare martial law, that could maybe happen. Uh, But let's not get into another topic because it it was a lot to get William on the the program. So whatever you want to do, but he's been waiting 10 minutes. Got to go to a break yet. You're jumping ahead. So just before the breaks, but what is your opinion on these poor souls in the jails with under those conditions that I read? It's what unbelievable. Is- okay, it's unbelievable. And there were many processes, legal processes that could have been undertaken to get them out of that jail, and for some reason they were not taken. So I mean. <clears throat> You know, I, I just, I'm speechless what's going on there. And yes, those guards have to be arrested, the criminals. And it's just a matter of proving uh, who did it. Uh, they took his eye. Uh, somebody can land in jail for 50 years for taking somebody's eye. Who knows, you know? And uh, uh, it needs to be exposed what's happening in the federal prisons. I mean, it's just unbelievable. If all of that accused what is true it has to be proven it was true 
But uh, right. obviously, you can see the injuries on the guy's face that one that one injury. Right. So uh, I mean, that's enough to know that something went on, and uh, you know, what an investigation so has an investigation has to be undertaken. But you know, when compared to the misdemeanor of, of January sixth. Uh, beating somebody in jail and taking their eye is a thousand times greater a crime. Yeah. No, no, I put it, I put it at a th ten thousand times greater than a crime. And we should not tolerate uh, uh, pr prison officers that act the way they do, uh, beating what was people up. I think you would, you would probably say, and I'm not going to speak for you, but see if you agree. Wouldn't it all it take is one judge with balls to say, hey, let them people out or else? Is that what it takes? Because it takes judges. To they should have been granted bail. I don't understand why they weren't granted bail. Because oh, they were labeled a terrorist? Well, maybe that's where the challenge should be right now. Are they or are they not terrorists? They have to be proven to be terrorists. That's right. All right. So... I mean, you can't, and also uh, they are denied due process uh, because justice delayed is justice denied, and a year and a half is absolutely inexcusable uh, to not have a trial. All right, and they're not uh, these these crimes are not to the to the extent that uh, they must be denied bail. There's definitely something political going on here. And those responsible must be exposed and dealt with. That's my opinion. I mean, That's it needs to be done if we're going to remain a, a free country. Uh, and uh, as a, you know, are the uh, result of the consent of the people. Uh, uh, you know, corruption needs to be taken down. Bingo, all over this nation and then all over the world. So, uh, okay, that was a good point. So everyone, please go to intheinterestofjustice.us. Check out uh, those news articles. You can check them out. And under that, check out uh, yesterday's October 4th, 2022 of the Stu Peters Show. Uh, bang up. He does a bang-up job. He's got balls. He's not afraid to say it. And I, I love how he presents himself. And uh, he's not going to take any shit. And he's not uh, saving face for anybody. And nor should he. He's an exceptional American. And that being said, I guess we should all go to a break. I've ranted a little while. But I think it was worth it and understandable to give respect and honor and know what the fuck is going on to us, to us in this country, in this system. Of injustice that's locking them up and keeping them locked up there. They want to go to Guantanamo, Frank. <laughs> but that being said, all right, everyone, uh, we have a motto here on this show, pack them and smoke them like I'm going to do, because I and you all will definitely need them when we come back with our special guest, William Wagoner. All right, so please mute your mic. I'll be back in three and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. This is Gary Legia, your host, and we're with co-host Frank. Listening to interestjustice.us. Holy shit! Please stop moving your mic around so much. But uh, again, we are back on the. What the hell?
And so let's introduce our guest, William Wagner. And William Wagner has a Bachelor of Environmental and Science, UW-Green Bay, from 1972. He is a Vietnam veteran also who served from 1967 to 69 and was wounded and disabled. Gee, I wonder what he thinks of this bullshit going on in there. But uh, look, he actually went to a war and fought for his country. Fighting for our country in our own country. He has he is married and he's a father of seven. Wow. And he's still married after 54 years. Wow. God bless him, sir. And uh, William started local uh, TV show in 1999, continuously to today, I believe, 23 years exposing local, state, and federal government lies and corruption. But I can imagine what he says about all this. But William produces two shows, The Fathers Without Rights, which I wish I would have knew about years ago, and On Second Thought. That's right. Uh, William is the only journalist also who attended every day of the Michael Jackson trial and saw it all and predicted by the third week that Michael would be uh, found not guilty, though, though the trial dragged on from January 30th to June 13th of 2005. God, was it really that long ago? When uh, that just flew by the year my mom died. But when the mostly white and elderly jury found Jackson not guilty on all 10 felony counts, I guess that's a pun for CRT there, huh? They helped him. They're all white. Uh, and four lesser misdemeanor charges, leaving the arrogant district attorney, Thomas Snedden, humiliated and left with few friends, <laughs> costing the county of SB, I guess what, San Bernardino maybe, millions in, in debt for years. Also, William is the only journalist to openly confront a federal judge in Orange County in his open court for not allowing video cameras. Oh, it reminds me of a case of what Frank had talked about once, huh? But he got that camera in, didn't he? Of a highly corrupt home-stealing case. That's right. They didn't want people knowing how they're stealing everyone's homes. William Wagner is an independent journalist for the truth. And he traveled to Europe in 2012 and 2013 uh, to tell the truth of Michael Jackson trial because there has been a total blackout of it in 2005. And what better person, you know, to get the truth from, uh, especially considering these days when there is really no more truth is being pushed under the rug. But I hopefully I believe we have our guest, uh, William Wagner, on. Are you on with us, sir? OK, I guess he's not on with us. Yeah, not- we're working on it. Um, so uh, basically, uh, Angelo uh, called him and he didn't pick up. I, I don't know why, because I just talked to him about 10 minutes ago. Let me let me dial him on the phone, but go ahead, keep talking. All right. Uh, okay. You want me to keep talking? Okay, I'll keep talking. Because I can imagine what he would think of what's going on. Again, if he served and he was wounded and handicapped from serving his country, whether he wanted to go or not, he still did it. And see what's going on with patriots here at home in our in our own jails. You know, again, regardless whether you're guilty or innocent, those rights and, and constitutional uh, statutes and the statutes of law are there to protect everyone, especially those who have to, uh, you know, expound the law and uh, rule on it and uh, judge on it and uh, act accordingly within the statutes of which makes the law system exceptional as America based on the Constitution that that, that even protects them. You know, it protects everyone. Again, guilty or innocent, we all have rights, and they want to take these rights away. And I, I can imagine what he must think of all that, you know, and especially 
uh, of what happened to you know Michael Jackson. That's 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 quite a scenario, and I don't really want to talk about that or my thoughts because again, he knows the full truth of it. He knows it all, and uh, you know I didn't ever watch it you know intently when it was on, but everyone was you know basically chipping in you know chirping in here and there to catch an ear or you know a tweet of you know through the air of what what was going on with Michael in that case. And, you know, no matter what side of the street you're on or like him or against him or believe he was a, you know, a pedophile or not. Michael also had the same rights and rules that that, that exceptionalizes us all applied unto him, too. And apparently it was used in the ways that it should that got him not guilty. But then again, I could not know what the hell I'm talking about. That's why we need Mr. Wagner on with us. And this man seems like he's had an exceptional life on the interest of justice. Dot us. You can see a picture of him there from an article I cannot read. I guess it's in Italian or something uh, that has Michael Jackson behind him. So, you know, and I hear that's a very interesting story, too, because Michael just doesn't just cuddle up with anybody. Well, he didn't, you know. So we're really wanting to hear more about that. But uh, but I also put under that picture, please click on William Wagner's YouTube uh, channel. I I. I clicked it, so once you uh, go there, you, it'll bring you up to the videos page, and there's a shitload of videos of things he has done over the years. I'm going to acquaint myself uh, in them, too, uh, because I believe he's very important, you know, and, and having the balls and the knowledge to, and to use what is right, rightfully ours, all of ours, again, guilty or innocent, to utilize... To, to protect us, to defend us, or at least uphold our right to have a defense, uh, to, to have a say, to present evidence, to look at evidence. I mean, this is where, like Frank taught me, Frank Kinesia, our co-host, that court is the place for controversy. And that that's where all this gets settled. And that's where... Hello, hello. I'm here. That button. I don't know. Maybe uh, they're on. Do we have Mr. Wagner on with us? You do. All right. How you doing, Mr. Wagner? Thank you very much. You kind of scared me for a minute there, sir. I know I may have a little tendency of chasing people away, but I know you got balls, and it ain't gonna be me that makes you run away, right, sir? <laughs> <laughs> no, it ain't you. Uh, right. Someone, someone's messing with this phone, or someone was blocking. The call. I didn't. It doesn't matter. But this is what I deal with. So I have two numbers, and this is this is the number I don't use very often. But I've been doing it. I've been doing a local TV show for 23 years. Started out investigating local corruption in my city, and from there I went to the county and the state, and then the federal government, and then I found myself at loggerheads with the CIA, and things have not gone smoothly since then. Well, you still never gave up, obviously. You, you see the skullduggery going on. And uh, well, obviously, you know, by your videos on your YouTube page, it looks like you haven't stopped. And I got to acquaint with myself with you more, sir. And uh, you look like a very, I can tell right now, a very valuable person in our country and on our, that should be, you know, in the interest of justice of going forth. 
Now, I don't know if you heard my news and rant. Uh, maybe it's better you didn't, but maybe, you know, it, it shouldn't matter. Freedom of speech. But I talked about how the January 6th, uh, you know, domestic terrorists, white supremacists, racist, bigot patriots are locked in the jail still without any court dates in there. And the conditions that they're in, I think you'd probably want to be in a Vietnam camp as you were a veteran, sir, wounded, it says, and handicapped. We'll ask about that. But I joked, well, not really joked, but I made a statement saying, boy, I wonder what you really must think being what you went through and you went and fought for this country as a patriot and seeing what's going on here, the patriots in our own jailhouses. There's something wrong. I wonder what your thoughts would be, sir. Well, my thoughts are that January 6th was an insurrection. It was the forced insurrection that anybody ever did. You know, they were terribly unarmed, except for a lot of American flags. They wanted to address their representatives, which I can't do. Even here, even when I try to do an interview with my local congressman, he runs and hides, just like his predecessor. Uh, mine happens to be a guy named Salute. Carvajal, who I've accused of having blood on his hands, for not even criticizing Biden one quit about the ridiculous way they let the prisoners, the uh, Afghan uh, worst prisoners you want to have, that kill people for God. You know, he let them out of prison three days before he scheduled and announced our pullout, which was tantamount to telling him, okay, you can come kill us as we leave now. 13 uh, American soldiers died needlessly, needlessly. And that's what people should be looking at. Only one person died in the January 6th alleged insurrection. And I got something to say about that. But only one person that happened to be an Air Force veteran, a female Air Force veteran, if the media is telling the truth. I didn't yes. go to her funeral. I don't know if she really died. And I like to check things out for myself. So, but going on what the corporate media alleges, only one died and it was an American veteran. And I'm wondering how does an American veteran get killed in the house that's supposed to belong to the people? Now, what I want to tell you about that, it was not Donald Trump's responsibility to guard the House of Representatives, even though he offered National Guard troops, even yep. though he was willing to send help. Yep. Even though he's willing to, he he could have, he could have by executive order ordered the D.C. police to give him extra help. They didn't want it, and it, there's there's an email uh, from Nancy Pelosi's office that specifically says they don't want your help. Decline, okay? She has the Speaker of the House under the law. If we still have any law, right? Under the law. Speaker is responsible for security of the House, not the president. She failed. She turned away all the help that was offered, and then she complained. This was a setup, and this is my, my point. We're already a communist nation. We don't know it yet. But when you can hold people without trial indefinitely and just keep them there, and nobody says, hey, something's wrong with this. You're supposed to release them after 72 hours or charge them. If you don't charge them, you're supposed to release them. Well, that didn't happen, and it hasn't been happening for years, only now it's gotten to a national stage. So, you know, if anybody's to blame for January 6th, it's Nancy Pelosi. Yes. She's the sole 
person who has the sole duty to make sure everybody who walks into the house is safe. Then what hasn't come out is there were three or four policemen that were there that were told to stand down and let the crowd through. The question is, did that order come from Nancy Pelosi's executive staff member or from Nancy herself? Right. We don't know, and nobody's asking the right questions. And if you don't ask the right questions, you're not going to get the right answers. I've been doing an independent journalistic path for, I'm in my 23rd year, and I, I used to do uh, a show every week. Uh-huh. Oh, you used to do, do it anymore? I still do it, but they, they have shut down the studio. The city has uh, banned me from the studio. They banned everybody from the studio, which was created specifically because I threatened a lawsuit if they didn't follow the law. There's a law, at least it used to be the law, if we have any law. Uh, it, was, it was under the federal and it was uh, it called for public educational and government peg it was called peg in the fcc regulations it's you'll find it under peg and it said any place any city county or jurisdiction that grants a monopoly to a cable company must maintain a channel where any individual can go in and do a TV show. And that's how I started doing my TV show after about 10 years of therapy with the VA counselor who thought it would, he, he'd give me all the therapy he could give me under the law because of my post-traumatic stress leftover issues from Vietnam. Yes, and then he sir. said, do this. And so I did. And 23 years ago, uh, I started getting a check, but also I started doing a check for from the VA for post-traumatic stress that was from being shot, bayoneted, blown up off a half-track. Holy uh, shit! You bayoneted? Yeah, I was bayoneted face-to-face. -face. I survived. <laughs> the guy oh, from the... Uh, you, that, must somehow you, that must mean that somehow you got him. Uh, I'm sorry I to hear that. Him. I, yeah, he was a nice young guy. He was probably That's two years younger than me. Had a picture of him and his wife. Uh, and I assume, I assume it was his wife and his baby in his pocket. I searched for his ID and came up. He was in the 19th North Vietnamese Regiment. And, yeah, he got me with a bayonet, but I blew him away. And, you know, just a whole lot of things. And I there, there was a mortar came in and blew up. And... That was the only evidence. I just happened to have someone taking a photo of me. I was so proud. I'd gone into Quinh Yan, Vietnam, in my civvies, uh -huh. not in uniform. I, I had reached a point where I was like, I've had enough of this war. I'm going to pretend for a day I'm a civilian. And I checked out, went in on my civvies. And when I came back, I said to a guy, hey, I just, I just, I just let go of the war for the day. And he's taking a picture, and just as he snaps the picture, a mortar comes in over our head. I just barely heard it. And then, boom, it hit an oil tanker right behind me, and, I, and the guy snapped the picture. Only wow. when I sent the VA that picture showing 
the explosion behind me, did they agree I had PTSD? Even though I'd had counseling for more than six or seven years, wow. and my counselor kept saying, yes, you, you definitely got 100% PTSD. You want to kill people that do bad things, and, and the war is over, and you still want to kill people. And I said, well, there's a lot of people that really don't deserve to live. And that's how it is today. And, sir, you just said, it, said that, and that's not wrong to say. That, all right. I mean, that based on your understanding and experience, and that's something that that's after all human. Everything that's going on is inhumane that's being gone on today. And uh, oh, thank I you, agree for, with you, sir. Yeah, I agree with you. But my point is, uh, that's how I started doing my television show because my uh, his name is Dr. Decker. Uh, he's in Santa Barbara, and he'd drive up to Santa Maria, and he finally said, "Well, William." Uh, we've done all we can do. Uh, you're going to get rated uh, 50% PTSD. Because if I put in for 100%, it'll be more difficult and they'll just stall you for another seven years. But clearly, uh, you got issues. And uh, about a year ago, I started seeing a different counselor. After a decade, if you have any issues, you can see him. So I'm currently seeing one while I'm still trying to do it. And what triggered it is them the city telling me you can't have the studio that was built and designed specific for public educational government. And the government usually does theirs in the city hall, so they don't really need it. And they took it away and gave it to the public uh, works department that already has two buildings they're not using. And now they're going to use this building, which was specifically painted, designed, equipped with cam three cameras, recording equipment so that me and others could do our show and have our two cents say about the crap that goes on. And mostly they don't like my crap because I got two local judges removed from the judgeship, one in San Luis Obispo County, was about to be sworn in, and I did a show about how she held a doctor by ball and chain, held him in court. Uh, he was going through divorce and he said, well, I've got an attorney here and I got patients to see and I have to leave. And he walked out and the judge, the female, she wasn't quite a judge yet. She was what you call uh, a commissioner about to be appointed a full judgeship. And then she would have had it made. She would have had a pension by now. She would have been in glory street. Anyhow, she sent the bailiff out and brought that doctor whose name escapes me right now. Uh -huh. I'm 77 next month, and your memory starts to fade when you get past 70. God anyway, she, she brought that doctor back in by bailiff and had him handcuffed and chained at the foot to the table, to the defense table. And then she read him the riot act and told him, this is how you're not going to see your kids until your ex-wife decides you can see them and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And on and on. This was an emergency room doctor that had, he's the one of those guys when you get slammed from behind at three in the morning by a drunk driver and they, you're unconscious, they take you to the ER. This is the guy that fixes you. And she's treating him like shit, like he's some kind of con man. And his wife had made a false statement that she didn't know where he was three, four nights out of the week. He'd just be gone. She wouldn't know where. Well, she was suffering postpartum depression. The judge didn't care. Took the wife's word for it. Stuck him. She got the house. She got pension. She got everything. 
he got screwed. And then they weren't even going to let him see his children. One of them was under one year. He had four kids. Oh, if my God. memory serves me right. So that doctor walked out of that courtroom when she finally read him the riot act and said, I want to be sure you understand every part of this. So you don't have to have your attorney explain it. And that's why I got your chain here. You walked out after being treated like an absolute criminal. This was like, God, this was almost 20 years ago. And he walked out, went back in San Luis Obispo City, in the county of San Luis Obispo County, walked to the garage where his car was parked, his Mercedes, opened the glove compartment, got out a pen and paper, wrote a note, said, I just canceled your order. Left that note on the dashboard, took the gun, blew his brains out. Oh, my God. Nobody seemed to report this or think it was a big deal. Uh, I thought it was huge. I thought it was huge. And they were about to make this female bitch a certified Superior Court judge in that county. So I did a show, which was carried in that county at the time. Uh And this and other issues are part of the reason that county no longer runs my show. Uh, they don't want anything that smacks of politics or un- unfriendly media. So anyway, she didn't, she didn't get a judgeship. They they canceled her swearing-in ceremony. And after that, she had trouble even finding a law firm that would take her in. But, sir, that's when you should have turned around and said, but, hey, now you're messing and infringing on my therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I should have, Gary. That's exactly what I should have said. I said, you're messing with my therapy. But anyway, that's the kind of effect I've had. And there was a judge in, uh, what was that crooked state that uh, Joe Senile Biden is from? Uh, what's that state? New Jersey. Yeah, I, I was in the New Jersey. Uh, yeah, I was at the New Jersey State House, uh-huh. and they were having a hearing to renew a judge judge's um, term, so he gets another term. They do it a little differently in New Jersey than they do in California. California, once you get in office, you're basically in for life because you're automatically, if nobody runs against you every six years, you automatically uh, file your papers, nobody runs, and you're automatically elected. You don't even appear on the ballot because nobody's running against you. Wow. At least that's the way it used to be. I don't know what it would be. Now we don't even go to a precinct. Uh, the done away with precincts, everybody's going to get a mail-in ballot. I just got mine three days ago. It's ridiculous. Throw it out. There's nobody running for offices. Wow. So, I mean, what kind of choice is that? But you know what? The Republicans are bitching and moaning, and they got a right to. Right. Whether you're a Trump Trump Republican or a non-Trump Republican, they're bitching and moaning. But in California, they changed the law specifically to get rid of a third choice. So they wrote the law for governor and any statewide office. You run for, if you're not in the top two vote getters, you don't appear on the ballot in November. That did away with the Libertarian Party. It also did away with the far left uh, Green Party. It did away with the Constitution Party in California. So now the Republicans are finding out what it's like when you don't have a choice. You know, you get the choice that they want to give you. Now, I've been doing this show for 23 years. I'm the only one I know of that sat down face-to-face with Michael Jackson's chief defense attorney, Thomas Mesereau. And I believe that hasn't been removed from YouTube yet. It's up there in, I think, six or seven parts. Because at the time I uploaded that, 
And what was it? Oh, seven. I did the interview and I'll be sure. I'll be sure to put uh, videos. I'll embed them on the archive page, sir. Yeah, that's I I interviewed his chief defense attorney, Thomas S. Mesero, whose Mm -hmm. father was on the battleship when they uh, right next to the general. I've seen the photo myself in his office. Thomas Mesero's father was there when they signed the peace treaty at the end of World War II. That's the kind of family Thomas Mesero comes from. He's a very fair-minded, very level-handed guy. He doesn't have PTSD. But watching that trial in 2005, from January 30th or 31st till June 12th, when the or 13th, when the jury came, verdict came in of 2005. I was not surprised. And Mesro asked me, weren't you in the courtroom? I said, no. I already knew what the verdict was going to be because I'd watched the jury's face for five months. I sat in the jury or in the courtroom where the trial took place. And except for the first two weeks when they refused to give me a media pass, and I had to sit in the back with the the, uh, 50 people that they let in out of the 100 or so that showed up every day and had to get a raffle ticket to see if it got in. Luckily, I always won a raffle ticket and got in. Then I got my media patent, and I sat up in the row. And while most media tried to avoid sitting behind the Jackson, I tried to sit right behind the Jackson family, especially after listening from the first two weeks and hearing the bogus evidence. Anybody who's been to trials or hearings, knows the prosecutor usually puts on his best witness first, his very best witness that will cinch the jury and get him on the side. Well, one of the very first witnesses was this little liar's sister, Gavin Avizo's sister, mm-hmm. whose name doesn't matter, but she testified under oath, questioned by the district attorney's office, and it wasn't just an ordinary prosecution. This had the elected district attorney Thomas Snake Snedden. I always call him Snake because he's he's a slithering piece of shit. He's dead now, thank God. But um, <laughs> Thomas Snedden, or one of his chief deputies, I forget now which one. I think it was Tom Snedden himself. The elected official that holds the DA's office stated a few things and then said, well, you were a Girl Scout, weren't you? And this sister of Gavin Avizio, the accuser of Michael Jackson, said, yes, I was a Girl Scout. She's saying this on the witness stand under oath. Well, Thomas Mesro gets handed a note by his, his assistant attorney, uh, a very attractive young Oriental woman, she's half Korean, half Chinese, named Susan Yu. Yu hands Michael uh, a piece of paper. And when it comes up to cross-examine, he says, so, uh, what's the date on your membership or something like that? And when were you sworn in as a Girl Scout? Mm. She says, well, I didn't actually join that way. I went to a meeting or maybe two meetings. And he asked, well, well, was it one meeting or two meetings? So it comes out, she went and visited a Girl Scout meeting. She never signed an application. She never paid a fee. She never learned the Girl Scout law or oath. She wasn't a Girl Scout. So that was the first witness. And they caught her in her own lies right out of her own mouth. And all the other witnesses were worse than that. That was the best one. 
No one impeached her on the stand? What, if you lie three times, well, you no. can impeach the testimony, right? Yeah, Tom Mesro did. The defense attorney for Michael Jackson did an excellent job with his help from Susan Yu. And later when I interviewed him, we talked. I made no deal that there was no question I couldn't ask him. There was no deal made. I said, come up from L.A. It's uh, about 140 miles from where he lives in L.A. to Santa Maria. He came up. This is one I could still use the studio back in 2006 or seven, And there was no deal made. So there was nothing that was barred or off limits to ask him. And I asked him anything I wanted. And he was very frank and forthworth. And I asked him, how much did you get paid for defending Michael? He says, I'm not going to reveal that. I mean, he was just a straight up guy. And, you know, that's the way he was. And even after Michael died or was more correctly stated was murdered. And that's a whole nother issue, which I'm writing a book about how they murdered Michael and got away with it. But um, you follow the money trail and you, you see who has the most pecuniary interest in seeing Michael dead. Same thing with Whitney Houston. Anyway, getting back to the trial, all the witnesses were that bad. And they had Gavin on the witness once. And he's testifying that Michael fondled him in bed after giving some magazine called Barely Legal, which I'd never even heard of. I mean, I've heard of Hustler, I've heard of Playboy. I've never heard of Barely Legal. Right. But someone had, sent, someone had sent Michael the magazine or someone, a guard, had left it in the guardhouse. And when they stormed into Neverland, they grabbed everything everywhere. And they weren't terribly careful what box came from the guardhouse what collection came from Michael's house. Okay. There's, there's a guard house. When you go into Neverland, there's two gates. The first gate, there's a guard there and he's going to take your name. He's going to look at your driver's license right. and all this. So no matter who you are, whether you're an attorney or anybody, the guard who's usually an off duty policeman from Guadalupe or someplace else, built in someplace close by and he's making extra bucks being Michael Jackson's security guy. So this Gavin is on the witness stand, and this, this is what strikes me the most, still strikes me. And they put up the cover of this magazine, and they ask Gavin, the prosecutor, Snedden, ask Snake Snedden <laughs> for his deputy, um, uh, deputy Auchincloss or... Ron Zoner, one of those three, asked him the question. So, is this the magazine Michael gave you to get you aroused before he fondled you in bed? And the kid looks over at the magazine. He says, yes, that's the magazine. And he says, look through the pictures. Be sure that's the one. So he's turning the magazine. The jury's watching this stupid procedure. And I'm looking at the jury, and they're, they're looking quizzical. Like, really? You need the boy to look at sexy girl pictures right here in, in the courthouse. Um, <laughs> there were men and women, mostly elderly, on that jury, and they're all white, except one or two. They were all white people sitting in judgment of this black man from a very black family. Mm-hmm. And the boy says, yes, I'm sure. So okay. when Snake Snedden sits down, Thomas Mesro stands up, and starts his cross-exam. And he asked him at least 
four times that I can remember. What, so what you're made, sure this is just, the magazine. Right. And what, he what says, yes. And Gavin Avisa says, yes, on the witness stand. And he asks him again and again and again. Finally, Snedden or Auchincloss says, objection, Your Honor. The question's been asked and answered. Well, there was a purpose to Thomas Mesereau doing this. Yeah, he wanted to be absolutely certain that when the boy changes his mind, he can't say, oh, I, I misunderstood your question. Right. That's why he did it. Okay. So then he said, he takes a little pointer pen, one of those little laser pens, and he circles the date. So this is, well, first, before he did that, he asked the boy, and when was the last time you were at Neverland? The absolute last time, whether Michael was there or not. When was the last time the gate guard records will show you were at Neverland? And the boy gives an answer. Oh, December, maybe January. And then the killer question. He takes the laser pen and circles the date and he says, Mr. Avizio, would you please look at the date on the magazine you just swore that Michael gave you? <laughs> well, it was October after January. <laughs> it doesn't match up with the publication. Yeah, they don't publish magazines nine months in advance. <laughs> you know, they don't you know, so he was caught. This is the one that's, I mean, there were a lot of things. But how this old, is the one that just, yeah, actually, after that, I, I looked at the jury in the second row. There was like three or four women and two men. Their eyes were looking up at the ceiling and rolling around like, oh, my God. How, how long old, do we have to put up with this nonsense? How old was the child? And it, it was a boy, you said, right? Yeah, it was a boy named Gavin Avizio. I would have, I would, one of the questions I would have asked, all right. How old was he at the time? Oh, he was 15 or 16, 17. Okay. And there, there you go. I would have been like, all right, which hottie did you like best? If, if you, <laughs> you know, we can only assume. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know that he ever looked at that magazine because it hadn't been published until he had never been at Neverland again. Remember, it's, when they confiscated everything, it was long after this. And it took, it took here's another thing. Snake Snedden, the elected prosecutor, for more than 24 years, he'd been the elected. And before that, he was seven, eight years a, a senior prosecutor under his predecessor. He had lots of time to get this right. Uh -huh. They didn't just do this quickly right after the boys left Neverland. This took years later. So everybody knows you don't publish girly magazines to put a date on it nine months in the future. <laughs> That's never been done. Nobody's ever done that. Not right. Playboy, not not Hustler. No, I don't even know all the magazines. That's not a place I go very often. Uh, <laughs> at least not since my youth, anyway. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow. Then it turns out they come later. You know, so the boy's sitting there. He knows he's just been caught. He looks at the date, and he turns back. And this is what you will not find on the court record. Because nothing was said. So you won't see it on the transcription of the court record. But Gavin Avisa sitting in the witness stand. He looks over his left shoulder at the date. And Thomas Snedden is standing up at the defense table asking, would you read that date to the jury and, and look at the jury and tell them the date? 
and he looks at the date and he starts to turn, but he doesn't look at the jury. He looks at Tom Snake Smitten <laughs> and shrugs his shoulder like, oh, now what do I do? He didn't say anything, but he shrugged his shoulder and you see this quizzical look. What, what do I do? What? And you can see Tom Snake Snedden very, you know, put his head on his forehead and put his head down in his, in his flat hand. And <laughs> Snake Snedden is saying, no, 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 no. But he didn't say it very loud. But I'm in the first row, seated right behind Catherine Jackson, Michael. And I could read lips. I could, uh, I can't anymore. I've lost the ability. I had a deaf brother who taught me to read lips. But uh, you you could see Snedden. um, You could see he was was defeated. And he knew he was defeated. Then it came to the fingerprints. He said, oh, we got this point and this point and this point on Michael Jackson's fingerprints on the magazine. So we know, and we got the boys' fingerprints on the magazine. We know the boy gave him this magazine. This is before the the episode I just described to you. This, <laughs> this happened before. So it comes down to let's read the transcript from the secret grand jury. And by the way, this was the third grand jury. The first two grand juries refused indictment uh, Michael Jackson. And there was nothing said about it. There was no media coverage that two prior grand juries, that's why it took them so long to get them to trial. Two prior grand juries had looked at this bullshit and said, bullshit, we're not going to indict this guy in this BS. So now he's on his third grand jury and we're reading the transcript. And what do we find on this transcript? On the transcript of the grand jury of the most famous Michael Jackson trial, what do you find? Well, Gavin Avizio takes the chair, and hands him the magazine, <laughs> and uh-huh. he's he's going through this magazine, and he's looking at and he's looking at the magazine. This is at the grand jury before the twelve person jury trial, okay? This is the grand jury that leads to the indictment. Uh-huh. And according to the transcript, because they have a court reporter in every grand jury, one of the grand jurors says, shouldn't that boy be wearing gloves? He's holding evidence. <laughs> yeah. That's in the transcript. So now that, we know how he got his fingerprints. Now think about this. That's do, you a think, good... do you think, Gary, that a district attorney with more than 25 years of experience, forgot, just mistake, he forgot to put gloves on the boy before he handed him the evidence? He knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. And this is why later on, much later on, and there's a YouTube clip of it hasn't disappeared, which a lot of them have. I had... I estimate about a thousand of my YouTube clips have just been taken down without notifying me, no complaint, they just disappear them because it's too much truth. They can't take it. I know, there's too many uh, comments. Fuckerberg and Google and those people, they can't deal with truth. No, They just can't deal with it. Because they're the enemies of we the people and, and of justice and this country. So uh, Well, look who, look who Fuckerberg's married to. Yeah. 
a Chinese woman. I'm not yeah. anti-Chinese. I like Chinese. I like a lot of Oriental people. I, I love Chinese but, people. I just hate commie chinks. But there's something odd about this woman he's married to, that she goes along with all this pro-China, anti-American stuff that uh, Facebook is engaged in doing. So they're yeah. taking my stuff down, and soon I'm going to transfer. In fact, I just talked to a web designer. I'm going to get my stuff off of YouTube and put it on Rumble or BitChute or some other more secure where, where truth is not Both. considered a bad thing. Put it on every every other venue that you can, not just one. Do multiple accounts at, uh, like you said, Rumble, BitChute, uh, Odyssey. Uh, there's others, and you know some are better than others. But uh, still, that it, it brings the people away from YouTube and to these other places when they are under the fight too of trying to be taken over. So there is that warning. This was this was the trial of the century. This trial went on against Michael Jackson. And by the way, other people falsely accused Michael, and then he countersued them, and Michael won. People that would steal his his clothes and stuff, and then he'd sue them. They'd sue him for wrongful termination, and Michael won. And they don't talk about all those other lawsuits. Those were separate and different. But Michael won those, and it was uh, you know a trivial amount of money. Here, Michael Jackson's very reputation is on the line. Right. And you know, I'm not pro-black people or anti-black people. I'm just interested in what the truth is. And the truth is, I went into the trial believing Michael did something to that boy, gave him liquor on the airplane or something, and there was a lot of testimony about that. It was charming. But I, I believe I, I believe he was guilty of some misdemeanor. I never believed he uh, molested any of these kids. But by right. the end of the second week, I was absolutely convinced this trial went on for five months. I didn't think it would go that long. I thought it would be over in three weeks because by the second week, I was saying, come on, Mr. Tom Snedden, give me <laughs> one witness, just one who doesn't get caught in their own lies. Can you give me one? And I would ask that question on those shows that I think have been disappeared. And those are some of the shows that disappeared, I think, too. But anyhow, uh, yeah, this, this trial was the longest trial in California history where the government lost. Every other trial that went three, four months, the government won, hands down. This one, they charged and they started charging him with 10 felonies. Then towards the end, when Snedden realized he was not going to win, because each felony has a certain amount of what they call elements of the felony. You have to prove each and every element. Right. It isn't enough to get three out of the four elements. You have to prove all four elements. He wasn't even getting two elements. Was yeah. Michael Jackson Neverland? Yes, he lives there. He, yeah, so he got one element. He lives <laughs> there. Was the boy there? Yeah, so the boy was there at the same time a few times. So he got two elements. Did he touch the boy? No, there's no evidence to prove that he did anything untoward. Right. Now, that's just the way it was. If, if it had been the other way, if they'd proved that Michael had done this, that's what I would have reported. Because I'm right. only interested in what is truth because I don't believe people can make good, valid judgments if all they have is carefully constructed lies. Right. So even th this isn't a political issue to me in the Jackson case. To me, it, it, it's a thing that hand it landed right in my backyard. I mean, I literally can walk to the courthouse one mile and I'm there. I'm at the courthouse. So wow. this is 
this is, um, you know, for me not to go to this trial would have been uh, shame on me because it turned out to be the biggest, longest trial in California history where the government lost. And they lost 100%. At the end of the trial, towards the very end, and nobody noticed, the media didn't even report it. In fact, I don't think I noticed. They put in a motion which got no attention to add four lesser misdemeanors. And judge granted that. This was in case he lost, which he knew he was going to lose. Snake knew he was going to lose. Because he's not stupid. He's evil, or was evil. Now he's dead and burning in hell or wherever you go when you're dead. Uh, You know, he he knew he was going to lose the felonies. So he thought, maybe I can get the jury. And sure enough, in his closing arguments, he's begging the jury to at least give him uh, a misdemeanor. Otherwise, you wasted five months of your life sitting here, people. It's a waste. So give me at least a conviction of a misdemeanor so I can walk out and be triumphant. <laughs> well, the jury wasn't buying it. They weren't buying it. This all-white jury found this black man from a black family 100% not guilty on all felonies, all misdemeanors. And from that day forward, my website where I would I would say little things about which judge is the crookedest in Lee County, Florida, or whatever, right. and... All of a sudden, my my viewers went from 40 or 50 uh, a day to thousands a day, and then wow. tens of thousands, and then it was over 100,000. All of a sudden, I realized, gee, there's a lot of people who really care about Michael. I just thought he was just another popular celebrity. But <laughs> there was more to Michael, and this is what I learned. I started talking to the people who came from Europe, mm-hmm. and two or three of them had growing up in orphanages and hospitals and Michael donated millions of dollars to get them made well. So they'd have the equipment to give them the operation or whatever they needed. This is the big secret. Michael wasn't just a celebrity. He He was was a living, breathing saint. This guy was a saint in our times and we didn't recognize him. He was very generous. Uh, That was always a good trait about him that shined light. And so it kind of contradicted everything going up against him. I mean, anyone with a brain could see, you know, race and all issues aside, that he's one of the richest, you know, celebrities ever. And, of course, all these sharks and uh, people uh, would be in on it for the money. As long as they get their hands on it, they don't care if they slit his throat. Well, they didn't slit his throat, but they found a more clever way to kill him and he was murdered. There is no question in my mind. Michael was doomed from the time, from the time he agreed to do, and this is what he told me and he told other people. He told me personally, and the only time I ever met him outside of the courthouse, the only time I ever met him face to face was very, very late one night. I was driving home from apartment building. I used to clean and I managed the apartments down in LA, but I lived in, Santa Barbara County, and I'm driving home, and it's like around midnight, and I get his call. This was weird, because I've been trying to reach Michael to get my own personal interview with him. He had seen he had seen at least part of one of my shows, where I was teasing Snake Snedden to come up with one good witness. I love that. But he didn't... He, 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 well, he was. Uh, Snedden was a snake. He was a slithering... 
fact, he might have been the original snake that led Adam and Eve into sin. I don't uh, know. He may have come back as Snake Snedden. Yeah. But um, he calls me, and I'm, I'd given up hope. Years had gone by. I'd given up hope. Michael's never going to call me. He doesn't need to call me. He's left the country, stayed out of the country, which turned out it was wise for him to do. I didn't know this at the time, and neither did his uh, attorney of record, Thomas Mezzaro. Uh They didn't know it, but unbeknownst to all of us, Smedden, after losing, he went and said, I want to bring a second trial. I'm going to do different charges, and I want to spend the money. And the county corporate counsel, I can't tell you how I got this information, but the corporate counsel of Santa Barbara County said, hell no. We're millions, multi-millions in the red. The county's going to be in the red for years. You spent (laughs) millions. We had all the police doing double time and triple time covering the courthouse. There was always 30 or 40 cops in uniform, another 10 or 20 out of uniform pretending to be Ordinary Michael Jackson fans are just milling around. Right. So you cost this so much. You're not you're not getting a second swing at this. So the corporate counsel saw that there was no case, there never had been a case. And that goes into why he did it in the first place. He he believed Michael had got away with some similar situation years before this and got away. So now he was he was willing. He was willing to convict Michael, even though he knew he was innocent. How's that? You're going to convict him for something you know he's innocent because you believe, without evidence, without facts, without proof, you believe he did something else somewhere else, sometime other. You know, that's not the way the law is supposed to work. You don't convict, you know, if if Gary kills William Wagner and gets away with it, you don't get to convict Gary because... Now he, uh, you know, killed somebody in Key West last night. Now, you, <laughs> that's not the way the law works, but that's what Snake Snedden was up to. He was truly an evil man, and uh, Snedden, and there were four other people. He, he convicted of crimes he had not committed, and it was molestation against her stepdaughters. And this wasn't brought up. Nobody, I researched it, so I... I live here. It wasn't hard for me to research because I had heard about it and I remembered it. Snedden had put these guys in prison. I feel it was three or four now. For molesting their stepdaughters. Well, the stepdaughters grew up, got married, had kids of their own, and guess what they did? They told the truth. They told the truth. They went back to court and said, hey, you know, uh, I was a bitchy little teenage girl, 16, and I wanted to date this 23-year-old guy, and my stepdad wouldn't, so I accused my stepdad of molesting me. And it crushed my mother. My mother was crushed. You know, this and that. Well, years later, these guys, I forget if it was three or four, they got out of prison. There was a hearing. The girls came forward, and the judge, uh, I can't remember, it was the same judge at Sat on the trial, Judge Smellville, Melville actually, actually, and I always called him Smellville because <laughs> he stinks. Uh, I'm I'm pretty blatant about my feelings about these crooked judges in 
these crooked people. It, and that's why I keep doing this is what keeps me going at, at my old age. And contrary to I started doing this on public access. I was just going to expose some local corruption and then I was going to quit. I just wanted to fix a local problem. But the more I got into it, the more I realized the corruption doesn't stop at the city level. It, it, these guys morph up to the county level and then the state assembly and then Congress. You can't hardly find, except for maybe Ron Paul and the son Rand Paul, an honest politician. It's just, they don't exist. The right. corruption, the corruption factor is so strong and they get away with it constantly. And if they don't get away with it, somebody gets whacked. Well, now speaking of that, who and why and what method was Jackson targeted for murder then? Well, I'm not going to tell you, but it'll be in my book. So when my book comes out, I'll probably be about <laughs> a month, month or two after they bury me. Because if I if I tell it now, I won't ever get the book. When's the book? Probably. When's released? When's the book going to be released? Probably a month after I'm dead and buried. Because oh, they just they just oh, whack me whack me anyway. Nobody knows this, what I know, because I went to Las Vegas. I did some investigating. Well, we can't have you waxed because we're going to need you on this show upon release. Yeah, so of the that's, that's why I can't tell you how they how they got Michael, but it was a very clever, it right, was extremely clever. And uh -huh. I got to think there was, and if you look back, right after Michael's whacked, all of a sudden Michael had an attorney in Las Vegas. Suddenly, mysteriously, he has a weird death and he's gone. Then another attorney in Santa Barbara County that Michael trusted and talked to a lot, he's dead and gone. And then there's several other people that were close to Michael, knew what was going on. Suddenly, they ain't around anymore. All have peculiar accidents. Well, William Wagner does not intend to have a peculiar accident. Right. So they won't know that I really know until that book comes out. And when it does, will it'll it be, be this too late year? to whack me. Will, will it be this year, you think? I hope to live to be 120, so. Um, we have got... to make 120 before we <laughs> get back on the show, sir? <laughs> yeah, I, I got about another 45 years to go because God promised. He said, I'm going to reduce the lifespan of mankind from hundreds of years, centuries we used to live. I'm going to reduce right. it to 120 years. I said, okay, God. I'll take that 120 years. Thank you very much. Amen, so, bro. Amen. Yeah, I'm still hoping to make it to 120, though. I only know one family member, one uh, great great aunt, lived to be 103. That gives me hope. Right. And uh, but Michael was unquestionably murdered. He did not accidentally overdose himself, nor did the doctor accidentally overdose him. But Dr. Conrad Murray had an integral part. And what I found curious is I put in a request to interview Dr. Conrad Murray while he was in jail uh -huh. for the wrongful death of Michael. And I went to his trial until the court kicked me out. And he kicked me out because someone called me on my cell phone. I forgot to turn my cell phone off and during a break. And I went back into the courtroom and forgot my cell phone was still on. And somebody rang me and court heard my phone ring and tried to sit on it. I literally sat on my phone to try to, because I didn't know how to turn it off fast enough. 
And they took my phone and then they kicked me out of the rest of the Conrad Murray trial. But I heard enough. And the key point to me in that Conrad Murray trial was <clears throat> they called on the evidence from another doctor. They brought in that other doctor's records, but they never brought the actual doctor whose records they entered into the record of the Conrad Murray trial. They never actually brought the doctor in and said, are these all your records? Are they true and correct? Never did that. Isn't that odd? I've been to hundreds of trials and hearings. I mean, I've been to trials and hearing in New York State, in Georgia, uh, South Carolina, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, all over this country. The only courtroom I haven't gone to is Alaska. I haven't been to a courtroom in Alaska, but... I've never seen such odd, peculiar goings on in these strange, and I'm convinced we don't have justice anymore in our courts. The one time I saw it was in 2005 in the Michael Jackson case. They actually came to the correct verdict, and I think it's only because Thomas Mesero Jr. is a person of such high integrity Right. And Susan Hewitt's partner at that time, they're no longer partners, but they were at that time. They were people of high integrity. People call me all the time, Gary, and say, oh, William, I got this problem, that problem. What, what attorney do you recommend? I say, well, there's three. One's in Texas, and the other two are in L.A., and you can't afford them because they, they, you know, they want a million dollars up front before they take your case. Wow. Right. Most people can't afford a million dollars up front. Michael Jackson could. Right. Most people can't. But what I saw in that trial was the way a trial is supposed to go. And I was seeing hundreds and hundreds of trials where it was obviously crooked. And I mean, I've been in trials, one in L.A., where one side goes into chambers with the judge gives him an envelope, which you can see him carrying the envelope in his pocket. He wasn't even hiding it that much. Comes out without the envelope, and the judge changes his ruling. Comes out, changes his ruling. I mean, I didn't see cash change hands. That was in L.A. Another one was in New York State, and I did see the cash. The guy was so bold, he just went up to the bench with a bunch of paperwork, and he slid the, the judge the money right on the bench. Wow. I was the only one. I was the only one in the courtroom. There was no media except me, and they didn't know I was media. There was no. Uh, there was no public watching. Wow. And they didn't. They they thought I was just lost and homeless, and I was a lost person just looking for a quiet place to sit. The bailiff <laughs> came up and asked me if I needed a cup of water or something. And and I had been stressed out because I was driving a long time to get to that courthouse. And I was waiting on a different trial, which didn't happen on time. It was late. So I went over a different courtroom, sat in there just, and they asked me, well, I'm waiting for this other trial. Oh, okay. Need a cup of water? No, thanks. Uh-huh. You know, I don't trust anything that comes from a bailiff or a uh, judge's chambers. You know, bring me a cup of water from the judge's chambers or wherever you get it. I don't want it. Anyway, right. you know, I've seen, I've seen things all over this country. I interviewed a lawyer who defeated the IRS in a civil claim against him. Or was it the criminal claim? I can't think of his name. He's from Louisiana or Texas. And he mm-hmm. came to California and he told me I should write a book. And I said, well, I have time. 
I'm constantly going and covering this case and that case. And usually when people call me, they've wasted all their money on attorneys and they're broke and they don't have, you know, they don't have two nickels to rub together. Sad. And that's, that's the sad part. The lawyers mainly want your money in their pocket. And after they get it there, unless there's some hope that they might get more money out of you on appeal, um, they don't care if you win or lose. The vast majority of them, Tom Mesereau was not one of those. Susan Yu is not one of those. Those two people, and there's one more in Texas who's in Houston, Texas. I've been to his office. I've tried to get him. Actually, I did get him on. Uh, he invited me to his home, and I did get him on video. Can't think of his name right now. Um, but those three people have integrity. All the other attorneys, including my cousins who are attorneys and my nephew's attorney, I wouldn't trust them. Wouldn't right. trust them. That's a and sad that's pretty sad. You know, this is what it's supposed to be about. You know, everyone, every, rich or poor, guilty or innocent, we have these rights and, uh, you know, amendments and the Constitution and these laws that applicate to us all, including those that are supposed to dispense the law and that protects them too. But they, they abuse it and they deprive us of this. And it's disgusting. Um, are you going to be going to any... Let's say if and when there are hearings for these January 6th protesters, will you be there, sir? I doubt it. It's a long way from California to D.C., and I consider D.C. enemy territory. Uh, it's yeah. like asking me, when I go to Beijing and hold a protest against the leader <laughs> of China, when I go to Beijing and, and tell him what a piece of shit he is for stealing <laughs> our elections, for right. putting Biden in power, because that's what's happened. Yes. The, the Chinese, and they have a word for it. It's it's, uh, it's a Chinese word. I can't pronounce it. But it, what it means is go for the princelings. You get control of the political, powerful people. Get control, not of them, but of their son. Their most yeah. prized son. And then you can get them to do anything. And that's what's happened to Joe Biden. He sold us out to the communist Chinese he made illegal deals. He covered up Hunter Biden's laptop. The, the FBI is totally corrupt. Forgive me, Ted Gunderson. Uh, Ted Gunder had, had been a regional FBI director. He was a friend of mine uh, after his first show he did with me. And then we did, I think, two more shows. And those used to be on YouTube. I don't know if you can find them under William Wagner channel, uh, Ted Gunderson. But they used to be up there. And Ted Gunderson would always say, well, William... Yeah, they're corrupt at the top, but there's a lot of good FBI agents at the local level. And I'd say, Ted, who do the local guys that you say are good FBI agents, who do they take orders from? Right. Well, they take orders from the, the guys up above. And, and you just agreed with me that most of them are corrupt. Forgive me, Ted. Ted Gunnison died some years ago. And... I don't know if he died of natural causes or they helped him have natural causes to die. Right. But he was starting to speak out stronger. And he and I were working on a book together. And I had given the manuscript back to him. And then suddenly he was really sick and he died. I never got the manuscript back. I don't know what happened to it. Oh, that's um, it, was a, it was a rough copy. But Ted Gunderson... You know, I think he had blinders on, and I like Ted Gunderson. He personally was a, I never met his wife and his children. Um, they had disowned him, which is sad. And I don't think he had visitation rights even with his son. 
Uh, I don't know, but I didn't check it in. I suspect not because Ted Gunderson himself never mentioned to me that he had children. All the time we talked, and this was one of my big issues back then. Fathers lose custody of their kids so the court system can get rich on child support and all the paraphernalia that goes with it and CPS. And then they vilify the father and just vilify him and vilify him. He has no chance. In fact, it used to walk into the courtroom and instead of saying custodial and non-custodial parent, the sign at the desk when you sat down would say, defendant where the father sings, sits, and plaintiff where the mom sits. So you're already, I mean, psychologically, you already set up the courtroom to say, you're the bad guy, dad's the bad guy, mom's a good person. And so the only question is, how, how badly can we screw the dad so he can't function anymore? There's a bridge on Highway 154 that runs, it's a shortcut, from Santa Maria to Santa Barbara County, city of Santa Barbara and Santa Barbara County. There's a bridge. The sign says Coldwater Canyon. Uh-huh. I went there and I made a video. I called it Suicide Bridge because I went down below the bridge. It's a 500-foot drop. Uh-huh. and uh, 15 men, after going to family court in Santa Barbara or Santa mm-hmm. Maria, had jumped to their death head first rather than go back to court again. Oh, wow. 15 men, not one woman, but 15 men. Half of those men had jobs. The problem is that behind in child support, they throw them into jail, say, you're not going to let out of jail until you pay this back child support or someone pays it for you. So they get a brother or father pays the child support to get out, to get a job. They haven't got their first check and they get arrested before they even get their first paycheck. Well, you're behind one month. So we're throwing you back in jail. So what happens? They lose their job. Right. Bam. So now, you know, they're, they're, and they get tired of it. And after a while, they just say, this is hopeless. I'll just commit suicide. I call Coldwater Canyon Bridge suicide bridge and there's a video up where i call it suicide bridge and the interesting thing about it after i made a stink about it rather than fix family court where father got to see his kids 50 percent of the time had custody 50 percent of the time and no one paid any child support because you support them when you got them <clears throat> instead of doing what is fair they went and put uh, a curved extenuated chaining fence above the hand railing that was about waist high. All you had to do was step over the waist high thing and you could jump to your suicide. Well, they added this thing that curves in like angel wings. So to make it difficult for you to climb up and commit suicide. And then put barbed wire on the edge. So you can't go by the edge of the bridge and get through the barbed wire. You're going to cut yourself up and it's going to be painful. And then you're going to want to go get patched up and then you rethink it. That's what they did, but they didn't fix family court. It's still just as awful. So now we have guys jumping off, bridges to de- deliberately drowning themselves in the ocean, which is we're right on the ocean, on the Pacific Ocean. So, and this used to, this was a big issue with me because I'd seen friends, including doctors, not just, not just the one that I talked about initially when we started talking here, Gary, I've seen doctors at the point of suicide. Think about that. How do you know when you go see a doctor he hasn't just been fucked over that morning. Excuse my language, but it really burns my ass. This uh, shows 
speech. We we speak how we feel. Anyone offended, they know they can take their transtestical transtestical vaginuses to their safe closets. We're, we're open here, <laughs> and we have a right to be mad. Well, okay. how I think about it when you go to see a doctor or a dentist. How do you know he didn't just get screwed in family court that morning right. or the day before? And he was planning to pick up his son and her daughter and take them out for their birthday. And the mom just refused to follow the court order for which she was not arrested, for which she was not dragged into, into court. She gets off completely scot-free and nobody's doing. And it's been that way for 30 years or more and keeps getting worse. Except yeah, now but- they do. First, they get rid of the father and then they get rid of the mother. And then they want to turn the kid over to some bisexual weirdo yep. who wants to molest the kid. Exactly. And that's, a, that's happening all over the place. And Biden's also uh, enabling a lot of that these days. It's disgusting. We're, we're about to go to a break, though, sir, uh, for about I don't know, five minutes, if you're OK with that. And uh, but it, it, Frank, what do you what do you what do you uh, do you have any questions uh, for William before we break? Because uh, he brought up some very good points. And uh, especially I didn't even about- get started yet, Gary. I haven't got started yet. <laughs> oh, all right. it's okay. You're, 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 what do you got, Frank? What do you got? Frank, you have any questions for him before we go to break? You Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. My, my Skype's uh, acting very well. I tried to use my uh, new mic. At any rate, um, my question is, how do you fix it? How do you fix the family oh, courts? Yeah, that's great. Okay, when we come back from the break. Very good question. I wanted to get to that. Thanks. Right. right. And, and how do you fix uh, judges breaking the law? Breaking the law right? a no, there is a way, but we the people are not doing it. Okay, right. thank you. That sounds good. That's a twofold question. I still want to at least the time frame or at least the promise from him that he'll give us a heads up when his book is going to come out. Uh, I don't know what the title will be, The Death of Michael Jackson. I don't know. It'll, but obviously it'll be a page turner. And especially if he's that concerned for his own safety, you know, in that. But again, another way to help stave that off is through numbers. So uh, we definitely will love to have him on with us when he does bring us this book, uh, especially before anything would happen, because then if we hear him, and especially when he puts out this book and if something happens, there's something to go by. He's leaving a record and a trail, and it's his story and, and uh, history as well, not just his story, you know, but it's an amazing life that he's had, and again, which is available to us all, and which falls on the Constitution, the things that is most important that upholds this nation, even while it's being subdued and uh, taken over and overthrown by commies and, uh, you know, international players who are not our friends. All right. And that want to see our demise. So and that being said, we are back with our guest, uh, Mr. William Wagoner. And he says he's, he's just scratching the surface. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, he's more than welcome to stay on with us as long as he wants. I know that we have at least another hour. Uh, but if he, he needs more time, I'm, I'm all for it. If you listeners and if uh, Frank is, I mean, this is uh, a big time part of history and where these, these shows that we're doing, trying to do each week, <laughs> you know, again, it wouldn't exist without Frank Kinesia's uh, vision inspire me and uh, as, as well as uh, Angel Espino there. Uh, 
it's weird how some things come together, but it's in my opinion that them and everyone else, whether they know me or not, or what my other main endeavor is, we cannot usher in the Martian revelation until we take care of this problem. Because the Martian revelation has got to be done from a position of where we are able to take control of space. And we can't do that until we take this nation back. And that means dealing with all this bullshit here that we have to deal with while the commie cheeks are secure in space. But that's another show, the Martian revelation, Saturday nights at 12 a.m. Eastern time. Now, that being said, oh, and this week we got Dr. Mark Carlotto on, everyone, for those... Sending me messages wanting to know what's up with the Martian revelation. So that being said, we're back with our guest, Mr. William Wagner. And uh, continue to wait. Frank had asked two questions. If, Frank, you would like to repeat them again, you can. Or if you, sir, would like to iterate. Go ahead. So we're looking for solutions in the courts to fix them at long last. And the family court problems have been persistent for a very, very long time. So... uh, William, what do you recommend can be done to reform the courts? And what, what's it going to take? Can you hear me? William, are you on? Is our guest on? Well, I can you hear say... me now? Can oh, you hear yes. me now? Yes, sir. I, actually, I forgot I muted the button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's going to take we the people. If you ever watched most of my recent videos for the last eight years, you see behind me a, a flag that says we the people. It's going to take we the people, turn off the TV, put down your six-pack of beer, and get involved. Number one, find out who the hell your state assemblyman is. Whether you voted for him, you can't even remember if you voted. Find out who he is. Talk to him. I've tried to talk to mine. He won't talk to me. I make an appointment three months, four months in advance. This was 20 years ago. And I show up on time. And his assistant says, oh, he's not in today. I said, but I had an appointment. I made this appointment three months. Well, you got to force these people to talk to you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't need you. The solution is threefold. We, the people, first of all, have to get involved on the grand juries of our county. Then we have to change the laws in some states. Depends on what state you're in. You have to change the law. So the grand jury can also hear criminal cases where you indict the judge. Once you're sworn in on the grand jury, the judge has no legal right to take you off the grand jury just because you put out a true bill of indictment based on facts. People have come forward and sworn an oath. They saw the judge take cash money. They saw the judge having sex with his clerk in his chambers when they went to deliver an envelope from another judge. Get those sworn affidavits on the grand jury. And yeah, the judges will go to the presiding judge and say, oh, presiding judge, I can't let this, got to get these people that are wanting me indicted, got to get them off the grand jury. Well, that's news. The grand jury is secret until something like that happens. And there was a case like that. It had to do with the Oklahoma City bombing. And I'm, as far as I know, I'm the only person that interviewed the key people. Really? Oklahoma City. Yeah, I interviewed. I went down to Oklahoma City. I told you, I do my own interviews. I rarely trust what I see in corporate media. Either they only give you the half truth or a quarter truth or the right. part of the truth that fits their scenario, but they don't tell you the whole truth. So I do my own interviews. In fact, this election fraud we just had in 2020, I interviewed 
a guy in Florida. Then he came and ran for Congress in Northern California. He didn't win, but he told me, and there's a video out of it, hasn't been taken down. I had like 3,000 video uploads. Some of them are five minutes, some of them are whole 90-minute shows. When they expanded, first you'd only put five minutes up, then he did seven, then it was 10, and then I think it was 30 minutes, and then they made it unlimited. Until you uh, it's still up. Yeah. I interviewed this guy uh, outside of, um, uh, just on the periphery of Orlando at a hotel. And then he came and ran for Congress here. And what he told me was just mind-blowing. And this is why people got to get on the grand juries. You've got to throw the six-pack in the garbage can and turn off the TV, turn off hee-haw reruns or whatever you're watching, and get involved. And most of us are very uninvolved. We only care about what when my daughter's getting married and who's coming to the next wedding and blah, blah. That's, we got to get involved in the machinery. That's key. That's now, in my state... Us. That's how they trained us, though. You know, right, exactly. If, if in if, if in grade school from kindergarten, even kindergarten, up till graduation of high school, we should have a course on constitution, our rights, amendments, and by the time, because when they face life, it'll save them several thousand dollars, if not more, to use their knowledge to represent themselves in court or to help someone else, which is our right. right. Exactly, exactly right, Gary. When I was in high school, I was very interested in history. I was already, and I was the only one in my class who took history that was interested in the Constitution. I didn't study it that well, but I was interested in the whole historic, what's historically true and what's not historically true. And I, I discovered even when I was in high school, there were some things they were teaching us, and there were other things they were not teaching that were true. And the things that were not taught put a different shade, shade of truth on the truths that they were teaching us. But I want to read you something from a 200-year-old book, just briefly. Okay, no problem. Public laws, state of Rhode Island, and the province plantations, to which are preferred the Charter, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, the Constitution of the United States, the Address of President Washington in 1796, published by authority, province, printed and published by Miller and Hutchins, 1822. I am holding the original 200-year-old, two-century-old book, okay? I have it right here in my possession, in my hand right now. I'm sorry you can't see it. I don't do Skype anymore. I don't do Facebook. A lot of things I don't do anymore. Okay, so it's got the charter of King Charles II in this. This is a 200-year-old document from the state of Rhode Island. And you turn back to right after, um, or right before President Washington's address of September 1796. Article 13, the 13th Amendment. The 13th Amendment from 1822. Now, Gary, what... What were you told the 13th Amendment was ratified when? Um, to be honest, I'm still in the learning phase, even though I'm 50 years old. That's part of the problem and also why I'm angry. I take it well, my, you're learning. Gary, forgive yourself because they don't teach this in school. They don't teach it in college. 
But did I hear right, sir, before you tell us, did I hear right that the 13th Amendment, so-called, was canceled out or erased or replaced with something else? Maybe this is where you're going. I don't know. I'm just throwing no, that out there. Not, not quite. The 13th Amendment, what you were told about, was the anti-slavery amendment, followed 1865 Civil War. Right. And Lincoln was the first attorney, bar association member ever elected to the presidency. Prior to him, it was unthinkable to elect a bar member to the presidency. In fact, it was unthinkable to even allow a bar member to enter the courtroom in certain counties in Virginia uh, and the East Coast. They would not even allow a member of the bar to enter the courtroom. It was forbidden by law. Did they wear yellow fringed hats? <laughs> no. <laughs> they didn't have to. But my point is, what does bar stand for? I've asked attorneys this. What is bar? You're a member of the bar. What does B-A-R stand for? British accre Accredited Registry. Right. That's correct, Gary. You got you. You get an A plus there. British Accreditation Registry. So you're registered with the British Crown under the British authority. So that makes you a foreign agent. So as soon as you join the bar, you're a foreign agent. And legally, you should have filed under the federal laws. You're supposed to file as a foreign agent. None of them do. They either accept it because they're a member of the bar. So they are not no longer American citizens. Let me read you from 1822. And I'm holding the actual book, not a copy of it. Not a reprint, but the actual book, Article 13, way before 1865. This is from 1822, from the Rhode Island Published Records. That's why I read you the, the title page. Here it is. If any citizen of the United States, and United States is only the first letter's capital. It's not all in cap, just right. capital U, capital S shall accept, claim, receive, or retain any title of nobility or honor or shall without the consent of Congress accept and retain any present pension, office, or emolument of any kind, whatever, from any emperor, king, prince, or foreign power, such person shall cease to be a citizen of the United States and shall be incapable of holding any office of trust or profit under them or either of them. Wow. It's simple. It's one paragraph. This was ratified, and I'm reading, this was ratified in 1813 or 1812. It, it took a while because they went by horseback. The, the claim days. was it was ratified. Uh, we believe it was ratified. Virginia. No, it was ratified. I'll tell Virginia's, you why Virginia's the, the state in question, but Virginia—I mean, all the the uh, uh, legislative annals of the time said it was ratified. Uh, but uh, what was it? Uh, one of the Adam, what the politician Adams? I forget whether it was John Quincy or John or the other one uh, said, "Oh no, it was never ratified by Virginia." Uh, but uh, you know, I did a short documentary with David Dodge, right? 
and um, I knew I knew David Dodge. Right, and David Dodge he, was the one who who revisited the original Thirteenth Amendment and and educated us uh, that that uh, the the powers that it bestowed. Uh, what we uh, have in the Constitution of the United States are are um, clauses about the titles of nobility that are still there, but they didn't define a punishment. However, the original 13th Amendment did define a punishment, and that's yeah, the what- the punishment is you lose your citizenship. You lose your citizenship and could never so hold office be, ever again. That's right, you can't be elected judge, you can't be elected. You know, I went and asked the local judge in Santa Barbara County. Mm -hmm. I think it was Judge Garcia, and I was in Lompoc City. Mm -hmm. He was just taking his lunch back. And mm -hmm. I asked him a specific question. Uh, if you join the bar and lose your citizenship, how can you hold office? And he says, I don't know. Call the Bar Association. That <laughs> 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 was the judge. Ask the, ask the bar. <laughs> so I did call the bar. Oh, really? And it, That's good. I did. I called the California bar, and a nice young man answered. And we talked for a couple of minutes, and he said, I'll get back to you. About three weeks later, he came back to me and said, well, I just don't really want to answer the question. Huh. He didn't say yes or no. He just didn't want to answer the question. Now, here's the proof that it was ratified and it was valid. I found a book. Yeah. This is from 18, I'm reading the Rhode Island from 1822, which mm -hmm. by then it already it already been uh, republished three times in all the states that existed at that time. Then I found a book from 1835, and there's the same amendment mm -hmm. in a different state, and they're still publishing, and Rhode Island also has it from 1835. Then mm -hmm. I found a book from 1858, and it had the original 13th Amendment. So now you come up to 1862, and it's still being published. And so then you have the, the anomaly in comes the first bar member as president, and now he wants to, he made a proclamation, all black slaves are now hereby free, there'll be no more slavery, and that was more a political gamut to get get uh, the South really torn up, because now the slaves could turn on their masters. And that was the exact, that was the exact point of, he wanted the black people to rise up and stop being slaves, that, that just gutted the, the South. Now, I'm not pro-South or anti-South as far as the Civil War goes. I mean, it was bloody murder, the worst war we ever had on our soil, worse than the Revolutionary War uh, by, by the numbers. But here's the point. Even after Lincoln's assassinated, and Lincoln and I went, I had to go to the Library of Congress to find some notes that Lincoln had made. And I did this when I was in the Army in 1960. Seven. I was at Fort Belvoir, Virginia. If anybody knows Virginia, you know where Fort Belvoir is. It's about a one-hour bus ride into D.C. And I went, like even when I was in the military, I was still interested in real truth and real history. And I was able, by appointment, to come back the next week and look at scratch notes that Lincoln had made in his own handwriting. They still have them, but you have to get special permission to look at them. Well. I think the guy thought, well, this is just a guy at Fort Belvoir. He doesn't know anything. He's probably going to get killed in the war. It doesn't matter. 
Well, I got to see the notes, and he was titling the anti-slavery movement the 14th and then scratched it off and put 13th, or someone scratched it off. Amazing, because we need to follow, follow what happened with the original 13th Amendment and how did it get replaced. So it basically, part of the story is is the War of 1812, correct? They needed a war to free the slaves and have an amendment. Uh, I can't say they planned the war. Well, that's that one way. thing, having an amendment, but but the other thing, you, replacing Gary, the original Thirteenth Amendment. Gary, how do you how do you undo an original amendment to the Constitution? Once it's ratified, how do you undo it? Constitutionally. Right. So you have to pass another amendment to rescind the first one. They did that with with uh, liquor. They made it unconstitutional to have liquor. It didn't work. It created the mafia's biggest boom was during the the uh, you know prohibition days. And when the teetotalers finally realized, and I'm a teetotaler by the way, so I'm not trying to slam them. I, I never, I don't drink. I just don't. Uh, there's too much interesting stuff to do, and you got to be sober to do it. And, but the teetotalers pushed their point of view on the, the people who like their whiskey in the rear, and it backfired. It created a mob. It created many mobs, many mafias, and they started to fight it out in the open streets. And finally, they said, "This is worse. Let's legalize it." How do you legalize it? They had to pass another amendment to the Constitution. Well, here's your proof: the original Thirteenth Amendment has never been repealed. So, how do you know it was adopted? Because it was first ratified between 1812 and 1818 and took effect. And that's why it was republished for the next 40 years. Not only that, after the Civil War, there was... Wait, wait, wait. Let me get this in. I'm going to forget. Let me get this in. After Lincoln's dead, I think it was 1868, there was a Western state joining the Union. I forget if it was Montana or Colorado. And I have yet to get an original copy of that, but I intend to get a copy. They published two 13th Amendments. They published the uh, Nobility Amendment, if you want to call it that, the original Article 13. And they published a second 13th in the same volume. That's so it has never been re- it's, it's never been repealed, which means it's still the law. All these judges have no right to hold office because before they became a judge, they were members of the bar. So yeah. they lost so their So what I'd like to do is have a hearing at, uh, at Congress, okay, well, the legislature, is, you know, about, you know, have them vote on it. You know, what well, happened with the, with, with the original 13th Amendment? Getting back to Frank's question, we have to get the bar members out of office. They have no right to be elected to anything. We got to hear as a nice guy. I've talked to him. He's a lawyer named Michael Clayton. He's running for airport board against an incumbent. Well, he's a lawyer. Even though I like him, I'm going to vote against him. Even if the incumbent's corrupt, I'm going to vote against him. Because I I tell people never vote for a lawyer. They don't have citizenship, even though they claim they do, even though the elections people, which are also corrupt, allow them to vote. They don't have citizenship. So don't ever vote for a lawyer. What are all these details then is that our constitution and our uh, rights and everything has been uh, had a coup against it that's lasting till this day because the bar and all them are in control and so are the gold fringes. 
Exactly. You're exactly correct. And that's why you should never vote for them. But you have to give people a reasonable alternative. Now, it turns out, if you do a little research, the bar didn't always exist. When I was born, there was no bar association of the state of Oregon. It did not exist. Hmm. 1945. It didn't exist. It came later in the 40s. But state by state, they took over. And each state where the bar took over, they would pass a law saying, oh, all you non-bar member judges that are on the bench for the last 30 years, you're going to be grandfathered in. You don't lose your judgeship. And that's how they, they swindle their way in, by giving the old judges the right to stay on the bench. Isn't that nice of the crooks? But... <laughs> You know, it's really nice of the crooks. They let, but see, I'm holding documents that exist. And these documents, I paid $1,000 for each one of these books because they're wow. originals. And to me, I would have paid 5000 I was grateful he was, he, but I had a condition. He had to deliver it to, to my hand, into my hand personally. The guy was a guy named Gus out of New England. And he thought I was crazy. Because you could probably get these books for two or three hundred dollars if you just search search it. Somebody has for sale. I've just yeah. been too busy to, to collect them all, but I've got several of them, and they're original. You can tell by the aging of the paper that they're really original. And, the and some point. of them have, yeah. And and uh, Maine was another one I have. And they came a state and they broke off from Massachusetts and became a state, I think, in 1825. And theirs is a little tiny. It's smaller than the original Boy Scout handbook. And it had like a particle board cover, which is mostly worn off. But I, I paid a thousand dollars for that little piece of crap. Because it shows and proves all these states in different years were still publishing the original thirteenth amendment and nobody can show me. I defy I give ten thousand dollars to anybody can show me where amendment to the constitution that unratified the original 13th Amendment. Where is that? Where is that constitutional? Amendment? It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, which means it's still the law. These people back in the 1800s were first and second generation patriots. Right. Some of those people in 1812, 1820, they had fought as young kids alongside the fathers in the Revolutionary War. They knew words have meaning. Yes. So this is one way we have to get rid of the lawyers and you have to have to you have to de dig in. Don't just take my word for it. Go research. it. Go to the library of Connecticut and ask for the oldest books they have on the Constitution. Ask for the state of Connecticut's Constitution, the first published, the second time they published. And you will see the 13th Amendment. Yet they teach us in, in high school and college. Oh, the 13th Amendment was ratified in 1860, something after the Civil War. And uh, it freed the slaves and made it legal because executive order by President Lincoln during the war wasn't lawful. Huh. And most people don't know this. Lincoln started the first executive orders. That's executive orders still aren't lawful. Biden gave an executive order. Everybody had to take the shot. That's not lawful. Like but how? No commie shots here, but they're going to come with more. I'm telling you, they're, they're expanding them. They want to get everyone. It, it's bullshit. Well, they don't. They don't have to get. They got enough people with the first 
death jab. I call it the COVID-19 death jab, which yep. got stuff that Medina doesn't even want to tell us what's in it. It's got a DNA modifying uh, element in it. And it's got mercury in it. It's got mercury is poisonous in any amount. In any amount, it's poisonous. Right. But they use, it, they use it to preserve the ingredients, which are biological. Anyway, I, I digress. The second thing we can do, and this is a lot easier, we can volunteer to be on the grand jury in our county. In my state, usually the county runs an ad right about November, December, and they'll say, please call such and such a number and volunteer to be on our county grand jury. Most people don't do that. They don't want to be on the grand jury. They think, oh, the grand jury is made up of judges. And no, the grand jury is made up of you and me and we the people. And they used to specifically not allow attorneys to be on the grand jury. Now, in some states, they allow wives, spouses of lawyers to be on grand jury. And now, in some states, even a lawyer can be on the grand jury, which should not be. Hmm. This is how badly the bar has destroyed it. We thought we won the war against the British. Well, guess what? They're coming back to reclaim us. And I was mortified when I saw President George W. Bush walking the crown princes and their wives through the White House. The British crown princes through the White House. I'm like, we fought war. I have ancestors from New England who bled who suffered, who were cold with, with boots rotting on their feet to finish their six-month voluntary enlistment. Wow. You know, we, we, we fought a war to separate ourselves from these assholes called the British Crown. Now, Queen Elizabeth may have been a nice lady, but what you don't know, she also owned stock in the landmine spreading equipment. Uh, you know, they, they fly over a, a battle zone in Africa and they throw these landmines, they fall to the ground and, and, and lay there until some kid steps on and blows his foot off. She owned interest in a lot of things. Yeah. But so I have a fun question for you, William. I have a fun question. Since the queen died, this is Francis. Since the queen died, a lot of people are saying that the British Admiralty has been reduced enormously and cannot influence foreign countries any longer. As you know, British Admiralty Law is used and they call it just Admiralty Law, but it's British Admiralty Law, okay, in the United States. Well, we use common law and part of that... Well, is, that's different from Admiralty Law. It is so, different. I know it's right. different from Admiralty Law, but I don't know to answer your question. Charles hasn't been king long enough, but my guess is right. from looking at the federal statutes is mm -hmm. the common law has been adopted by federal statutes and by many state statutes. And where they conflict, the states usually win. Yeah, I'd like to have that resource because Gary and I are involved in a case. Well, Gary is in uh, the forfeiture court, federal forf forf civil forfeiture court and they're trying to use uh um admiralty law in that court i can't and say we're, yes we're demanding no. that that we don't uh gary is absolutely attesting he does not 
uh, uh, support or recognize admiralty law and that they have to go to an alternative form of to for the proceeding so uh, this is a very interesting question. I mean, your resource would be most valuable for Gary's case. So, Gary, make sure you get that resource from William because I, I want that yeah. uh, for for uh, Gary's case. Uh, Gary's just simply trying to get his seven thousand one hundred and ten dollars back that the government stole. Is that all? They well, stole a lot more than that from me. That's a lot. I mean, <laughs> that would. Uh, that would. Yeah, that to me that's a lot. Let's just put it that way. Well, I'm just about I you know that King Charles just took over, and I haven't researched anything specific to what you're asking about. Yeah. So I don't well, want to. He's a, I don't he's a freaking globalist. He makes it clear that he is. Well, the, the British Crown thinks they you know the sun never shines never sets on their on their kingdoms. They believe Tonga and the whole world is under British rule, and she's not even a direct descendant of King David. That's the sad part. People think, oh, King David was promised it would always be uh, an heir of his sitting on the throne. Well, that may be true, but it's not the British throne. She's not descended from King David, despite what some people may claim. But that's a different issue. So I've given you two things. Number one, Start voting against lawyers. Start informing judges they can't hold the judgeship because they were once a member of the British Accreditation Registry. Now, they will laugh at you, and they will say, oh, I'm in control of this court, and I'm just asked the bailiff. You know, the bailiff will nod his head. And that's all true. But you got to start raising the issue. The second thing is volunteer to be on the grand jury. Now, if you've been convicted of a felony, they may say, well, you're not you can't be on the grand jury. You're convicted of a felony, even if it was 20, 30 years ago. Even if it was just your ex-wife getting you convicted of speaking to your son when it wasn't visiting hours. It wasn't time for a phone call or something. And they, get, they may get it turned into a felony. I mean, the suicide bridge, I think that was one of my best videos I ever did because I showed the crosses down below the bridge with family members who put up a cross the person that jumped to their suicide rather than go back to family court. That's how evil it is. We're already a communist country and we're just waking up to it now. We're just now waking up. Oh, you know, people who commit crimes, like there's two female attorneys. I don't know if it's true, but I saw a report on a corporate media channel that said those two women attorneys that threw a Molotov cocktail into a police vehicle with two policemen sitting in it to blow it up and kill the policemen. The charges were dropped. They're not even going to prosecute them, is what I heard. Whether that's true or not, I cannot say. But that's, if it's true, that's really horrible. No policeman or any firefighter or anybody just doing their job, sitting peacefully, should have a Molotov cocktail thrown into their vehicle and there's no consequences. Those two women should lose their bar card first, and then they should go to prison. They may be under, under suspicion of losing their bar card soon, but it, they should have been criminally prosecuted. Well, you're implying that there's going to be a court case over it, and and to get the judges the to honor the law, the and not and not, and not uh, you know.
cover up for their cronies, which is which are the lawyers. Right, and like I said, the, you you have to make people aware of the original Thirteenth Amendment. When I talk to a professor, he's a teaching professor at a local no, college. No, I told him about this. He didn't. He, he was teaching history, and he had never heard of the original Thirteenth Amendment. Sir. I gave, I showed him an original book, and then I gave him a copy. He was just flabbergasted. How could he be a professor of history and never even heard of it? Yeah. What would they say, sir, if I ever go into court and I say, hey, I challenge your right to be trying me or to be doing anything against me because all you guys are blood bar cultists. Oh, 13th Amendment. <laughs> what would they do to me? <laughs> no, I'd say, Bill, take him into custody and we'll teach him who's in control. That's what would happen. However, if you're going to do that, the way to do it is not to walk in and say it. The way to do it is to file a motion to the effect and include a Xerox copy of the original 13th Amendment from several books, one from, say, 1852 and one from 1822 from Rhode Island, and include those in your filing. Then when you appear... You're making oral arguments in support of. Of course, they will rule against you. They will say, that's nonsense. I rule against that. And you said, fine. Now I'm going to take it up to the appellate court. And they'll say, that's nonsense. We're throwing that out. So then you take it up to the state Supreme Court. They'll say the same thing. That's nonsense. Why? Because they're all members of the bar. They're all part of the club. So then you take it up to SCOTUS. When you take it up the federal ladder and you present it to SCOTUS, and you present absolute evidence that has never been repealed. Now they got to prove that it never existed. How do you prove it never existed when you can show it was in all the state archives for more than 50 years? And one state even after published it, both 13th Amendments. Well, if they had to publish both of them, that implies it was never repealed even after the anti-slavery amendment they call the 13th amendment now we've been lying to all our life the cia is one of the worst uh elements of the lie right and i was running a show where i called out the cia and it wasn't just me i had documents from other people video documents and what do you think they did they came and cut off my cable at 10, I think it was about 10 o'clock at night. And I was half asleep. And I just went to bed. I thought, I'll fix it. Whatever's wrong, I'll fix it in the morning. And <laughs> my wife woke me up in the morning. The TV isn't working. So they called the cable company. And I was gone. Three days later, she gets the cable company out there. And they said, somebody didn't just cut your cable. They pulled the copper cable out from under the road from the junction box across the street to the junction box at the corner of your lot. They literally removed the cable and only your cable. There were three others that come to your side of the street. And I went out and talked to the guy because I thought my wife misunderstood him. I mean, she's elderly like me. And this was just a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. And uh, that was one of my best shows about how the CIA cannot be trusted any more than the FBI. And they spy on each other. The FBI and the CIA spy on each other. And the NSA, which isn't even passed, isn't even legal by congressional approval the correct way, 
They spy on both the CIA and the FBI. So we got spy organizations spying on each other in our own country instead of the enemies like communist China. That's why China's got this congressman from Northern California, the young fucker. They got him in his pocket by having some sexy young Chinese gal sleep with him a few times. And he's on the security, uh, what do you call it, the uh, Congressional Security Committee. Can't think of his name right now. But the, so I, I write a letter to the cable company. I said, I'd like to talk to that cable guy again. He was out here on such and such a day and replaced my cable. And it's very strange that someone would, because if you're going to steal my cable because it's copper and you're going to resell the copper, why didn't they steal all four of them? Why just mine? And how would just anybody stealing metal uh, to, to recycle it and make a few bucks illegally? Yeah, crackhead. <laughs> yeah, it, this wasn't a crackhead that just decided to pull one cable and it was mine. Right. Now, this was intentional. So that was the CIA's way of gently telling me, shut your big mouth. Take that show up there. That was what they were telling me. Well, I was going to say and, to Frank, this sounds like something fun. It sounds like any man could pretty much do. Like, if we do what he said, just file motions, would we, would we be interested in doing something like that and pursue it with this show? Right. They covered it. And it, and, and it can be, just as long as there's no gag order. Well, you're going to have to take, yeah, you got to watch out for gag orders. But the, the way to be successful. On the 13th Amendment. Gag order on the 13th the, Amendment. Think about that, people. Find somebody else in another jurisdiction who's got a similar argument or a different argument about some other issue, but he objects to the judge because he has no right to sit as a judge because he had once joined the bar. And when he did, he lost his citizenship. Now, all the judges will tell you, and I know because I've checked and double-checked, when a judge takes office, he writes the bar a letter. Now they probably just email him. And they say, please suspend my membership while I'm sitting as a judge. So now they'll claim, well, I'm not a member of the bar now, so I can be fair. So I'm not a member of the bar. I suspended it while I'm a judge. Well, why? if, if the bar is such a wonderful organization... Why do you have to suspend it in the first place? Because they know. They know the truth. They won't admit it to you, but they know that they lost their citizenship. They should never be a member of the bar. I'm not saying the bar teaches complete lies and and all that. Right. Uh, and it's probably better that somebody that had some kind of legal education have somebody who was a dishwasher all his life, and then you suddenly make him a judge. You know, it's, I mean, at least have some understanding of what contracts are and the elements of a contract. You know, is first you got to have competent parties. You've got to have an exchange of value. You got to have a writing if it's worth more than $500. You know, there are elements to the contract law. And, and you want people who are judges who know these things. And you don't have to be a bar member. I went to law school, but at the end, I decided all the lawyers are crooks. I didn't want to be a member, so I quit law school in the third year. Didn't take the baby bar, didn't take any bar. I just, but it was good knowledge to learn. I'm not saying the books are wrong. I'm saying the bar itself, the British Accreditation Registry, has created themselves a little club where they have this title of nobility called an attorney at law. And under the British uh, Code of 
nobility, uh, a squire, which many of these people will see on their letterhead, it says squire, it says ESQ. That was the lowest rank of nobility under British law. So they're 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 the low life on the on the chain of, you know, under king, queen, count, viscount, you know, get down to Esquire's the lowest level, but it is a title of nobility. Uh-huh. So this is how the British have come back, even though they lost the war in 1783, 80 to 87, you know, and then we had the Confederation for a few years, and we had four presidents one-year presidents before George Washington became the first four-year president. We had, we had presidents, and they, this is something I, I need to mention. The original patriots, they didn't trust even the limited power the president has to have it for more than one year. That's why they changed president every year. But federalists like uh, Hamilton, they wanted a strong executive that could, you know, kick ass and make things happen. And some issues take more than a year. So they thought one year presidency just wasn't long enough. I'm looking at my bell. I want to mention this. We have election coming up here in 30 days. And for judges on our Supreme Court of California, it just says, do you want to retain the judge? Yes or no? There's nobody running against him. We just say, yes, we want him or no, we don't want him. And most people don't have a clue about all of them or That's any right. of them. We have That's to get involved. We have to learn. We have to go in. You know, people should do what I do. I used to regularly just go into the courthouse, sit in the trial, find a trial going on, just sit there and listen. Doing that, I have saved at least a couple dozen people's asses by telling them, listen, your lawyer isn't fighting for you. I went to law school. I know what he should be saying. I know what he should be objecting. He's not doing it. Fire him in front of the jury. When you come back from lunch break, stand up. Even though the judge tells you to sit on, you have an attorney and say, I'm firing my attorney because he's not properly defending. Say it anyway. The jury hears it. Once the jury hears it, judge can be mad as he wants. He can't do anything about it. The jury heard it. Now he's got to dismiss the jury. He's got to start the trial all over because the jury's been prejudiced by hearing the victims. So... (laughs) I got a, I got appointments to keep, and I've gone much longer than I expected to. But it's been fun, Gary. Uh, oh, three yes. things: get on the grand jury, make uh-huh. a difference, find other people of like mind to volunteer in the grand jury. I've seen these people that try to set up their own grand juries. Uh-huh. Most of them end up in jail. You've got to be appointed by one of the crooked, bar-carded judges set aside his bar card. You got to get appointed. So they recognize your authority when you're on the grand jury. There's a people out in Boulder, Colorado. I talked to the woman, she was setting up her independent, not, not from the system grand jury. She didn't realize five of her 12 or 14 or 15 grand jurors were actually working for the DA. They were undercover agents. She went to jail. All her people went to jail for some amount of time. And I tried to t- slow her down. She wouldn't listen to me. Now people are starting to listen to me. I even see so many books and they, they, they put my name in their book as a resource. Um, I need to write my books and I need to get my videos secured because there's a lot of information 
Uh, Are you currently writing that book, Michael Jackson, now, or is that something you're going to write? No, it's already written. Oh, I'm not going to. I keep tweaking it every every few months. I go back and I change a few words, add something. And that's the problem. My beta reader says I've added too much. I've got to cut it down. How many and, pages? You know, well, originally it was over a thousand pages. And then I had a beta reader and he says, no, nobody's going to read a thousand pages. You got too much information. I said, well, how can you have too much facts? Make two or three books out of it. <laughs> you see, yeah, well, I cut it down to about 500. Uh, wow. I took out the guys that spent a collective of 25 years in prison for a molestation of their, their stepdaughters that never happened. Took wow. that out. That was because I, I went into the cases, the details, the devil's in the details. And I went into the details for like 45 pages. And that's just one point. But, you know, my word to dads, if a woman's divorced, don't marry her. Yeah. If something was wrong with the first husband, she picks bad husbands. And she, you might be the second bad husband. You'll be the second victim. Don't be the second victim. Yeah. You know, find your, find your true love. Marry that one who's never been married and divorced. Because so the been Bible tells a long time. You've been married a long time. How long again, sir? Carol and I have been married now this, oh my gosh. We just had our 54th wedding anniversary. Wow. Did you remember? Well, <laughs> after a half century, you start losing count of the years. Uh-huh. You know? And uh, I'm lucky I still remember my birthday because I used to be a lot sharper. I used to have everything on the tip of my tongue, but uh, you get old. And uh, things just sort of fade away. In fact, I'm finding interviews I did of people that I never got published. I never got it on my show. Because I did another one, another one, and I forgot to go back to the others. I found about 100 interviews I should use, and I never used them. Well, but so now how- I, I, can't, I can't go into the studio because it isn't a studio. They gave it to the public uh, works department, which didn't need another building. They certainly didn't need one with three cameras. What they kept trying to do is, city kept trying to get the firefighters to do their own uh, TV show and to get the cops to do their own TV show, and they didn't want to do it. All these guys, they get paid a salary, and they don't need to do this extra thing for no money. But I had a bent. That, you know, I thought truth matters, and I still think truth matters. Yes, it so, does. And I decided, well, you know, I don't have enough money I'm not a poor man, but I don't have enough money to fight the city and go to court and just spend tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands to get the studio back. It'd be cheaper just to build my own studio, which I'm working on an angle to do that. But then I'm thinking at, at age 80, a couple of years, I'll be 80. Maybe it's time to retire. Let's let Frank and Gary and some other people pick up. I pointed the way. You know, go find that original 13th Amendment, get yourself a copy, or at least get one original book that shows that a 13th Amendment. And amazingly, they have disappeared out of a lot of libraries, but you can still find them on eBay. But most libraries throw those old books out because they go, oh, we got a new publish, the state publisher new thing. 
Every two hey, years. Hey, each uh, may, maybe Frank uh, can find that online if there's any uh, images or something I can embed on the show. Well, page. It's all in uh, my, you know, I work with Gus Breton. That's the Gus that uh, William was talking on. about. And yeah, uh, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to give Gus his last name because he, he doesn't want to. We hit him on the show. Oh, yeah, we really? had him on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, he, he was he, your first he guest. He, he came here and delivered the books into my hand. Mm -hmm. And I paid him a thousand dollars per book, which I'm sure he thought I was a crazy man, because uh, you could get them for a few hundred if you have someone sell them and ship it to you. But I didn't want them to get lost in UPS or damaged. So to me, it was worth a thousand apiece, because wow. that is the proof. That is the living proof. Even though the books are old, it's never been repealed. Like right, I said. Well, go, go, go to my documentary uh, on the original 13th Amendment, uh, where I interviewed David Dodge, and, and Gus goes through to, to at least five different legislative libraries where they're not allowed to throw away the old books. It's an archive. It's against the law to, to remove the old books. So the legislative library is where you go. I just want okay. to put a picture that's of it up a, on the archive page. That's a good thought. Uh, back back quite a few years before I started doing my local TV show 23 years ago, I was doing genealogy research, and I got a book. I was able to take photographs, and they stopped me from Xeroxing. I was in the archives of the Los Angeles Library. <laughs> And I'm so glad I broke the rule and copied by Xerox what I did. So I got the genealogy material correct. And they had a book there that was on loan from a Florida archive library. Mm -hmm. Then they had a fire. And the fire destroyed the most critical books. And then some of them were those old books you're talking about, the old legislative books. And I thought, you know, just... A few years ago, I was thinking back about that fire, and I thought, how in the hell do they have a fire that just destroys that part where the most elderly books, the old books, the really old, old ones, including the one that was on loan from Florida, that I got to see and copy, and that was the only copy known. Nobody, nobody knows of another copy of that genealogy book. Okay, and what does that genealogy book tell us? It doesn't tell you anything, but it had to do with my personal genealogy. I was working on okay. my family ancestry. And oh, that I was see. the only book that is known to exist, and it burned. Because I went back after I heard about the fire. They wouldn't let me back in there, and they had to clean up the mess. And when I finally went back in about 1995, um, they said, oh, that was destroyed. All those were destroyed. But there were also legislative notes from the original legislatures of California, mm -hmm. uh, clerks, and personal uh, diaries of people that were involved in the legislature of California and the crooked mm -hmm. things they did, and how they tried to fix the crooked things. It was interesting stuff, but I was only interested in the genealogy part. And when I found all of that had been destroyed in the fire, I wondered how accidental was that fire? How accidental is, I mean, this is in 1787. It was, it was around 1987. Uh, those were those were destroyed. Los Angeles Library fire. Google it, and you'll get the exact date. Too bad they didn't put it on microfiche. I mean, it's unbelievable. 
Yeah, well, well you I guys... think they were. They were starting to microfish everything, but they hadn't got around because they didn't want to expose these old pages to any light. When you do right. microfish, you, you expose them to an extreme, very short, you know, blink of an eye, but it's extremely, and that's why they didn't want me Xeroxing anything. They didn't even want me using a flash camera. And uh, that's all I had at that time was a flash camera. I had to take the flash off. And so I got what I needed for my genealogy. But I wonder how much other interesting stuff burned up. And they say it was welders. The welder's arc or something started the fire. And they were retrofitting the old part to make it safer for the books. So in the effort to make it safer for the old books, they destroyed the books. And I'm like, unbelievable. It's just like government. It is. They passed this trillion-dollar anti-inflation bill, which is really an inflation bill. And it's yeah, like everything it's unbelievable. So we, I, we could go on for hours, but I, I have some appointments I have to keep. It's been good being here with you. Can we and have you on again, William? Will you come back? Uh, I can't promise that. Only God can promise that because I don't know how long I got to live. I'm just doing what I can while I can. I'm thinking of doing my own podcast. I just don't have time. I've got the camera and equipment stuff. I just don't. Well, if you have something, well, let us help you with it, okay? Come on our show. And, and because you're a valuable resource, you're a piece of history. And, uh, you know, before you go, before you go to light. the next stage, we need to get all your experiences on video and digitize them but uh at any rate well, it's been my, a pleasure look at my videos look at my videos and download them while you still can because they're disappearing uh my guesstimate is about a thousand of them have disappeared and at least another thousand have had algorithms applied to them oh i forgot youtube was mad at me because i wouldn't monetize my youtubes i refused to monetize them because I wasn't interested in making 20 bucks a week on people watching. Because when I do research, I don't want to have to watch an ad I'm not interested in to get the information. I figured most, most people that look at my stuff are the same way. They don't want to have to deal with ads that came to get some specific information. You hate spending 30 seconds of your life watching an ad you're not interested right. in. And that's so YouTube was mad at me already, and they kept encouraging me to monetize because I had a couple of videos had millions of views. Really? Millions. Yes. Oh, yeah. Millions. And those just disappeared. Some of them had uh, 10, 30, 40,000 views. And then they'd wow. go back and look at them, and suddenly they only have a few dozen views. The same video. How can you have 32,000 views? At 9.05 and at 9.06, you suddenly only have 80 or 90 views. That's right. And, and I realized, a- yeah, they have some algorithm on which they just roll the numbers back. In fact, yeah. one, I, I had one, it was, um, it was a hard-hitting but short piece. It was only, I think, seven minutes or less. And I just uploaded it, and it had like... I don't remember exactly, like 300 views. And then the next minute, I watched the numbers. Suddenly, I was looking at, when you put YouTube, you said, well, you could look at it in real time. You go, because you're the uploader. 
And all of a sudden it rolled back. I had another one had five views. I just put it up like two minutes earlier, but it had oh. 10 comments from different, 10 different people. Ah. How can you, how can you have 10 comments from 10 different people and you, you, you have less than that number of views. And that told me right. all I needed to know. And I, I thought, you know, it really doesn't matter to me if people, and then I started noticing people would download my videos and upload them, which is a copyright violation, but I didn't care. I'm not interested in suing for copyright violations. All I'm really interested in is getting some truth out because truth is short, short supply. And nothing proves it more than the fact that most people have never heard of the anti-nobility 13th Amendment. Never heard of it. They don't believe it when you tell them. And when you show them the original book, they still don't believe it. Now, is this 13th Amendment, Frank, is this 13th Amendment available that we could put on the show page for people to read what it is? Quite easily. So, from my research, what happened was the War of 1812. The British came in. You ask any American today, what was the War of 1812 about? Nobody can hardly answer. Nobody knows what the War of 1812 was about. My answer, there were about three or four different reasons, depending on the four different regions that the War of 1812 happened. You know, all the way at the border of Canada, uh, to uh, uh, New Orleans, I believe it was. Uh, but in Washington, Washington D.C., the British came in in 1812, and they raided and burnt down the Library of Congress. Do you remember that, William? Oh, absolutely do I remember it. Yeah, they burned out, as well as many other buildings, but they sequestered the document for the original 13th Amendment, they took it back to London and flaunted it and joked about it. And when certain American congressmen demanded to have it back, they destroyed it. That's what I heard. Well, the British, I can add the a British bit destroyed to that. it in England after there stealing was, uh, it. You probably heard that uh, President Madison and his wife, Dolly, were able to escape. They had just set the dinner table at the White House and were about to have dinner, and they were able to escape. The White House and the Congressional Building was about to be burned. Why did they escape? Because they were busy burning the printing office first, where the original 13th Amendment had had large... Um, circulars printed up and they were to be carried out by riders and there were dozens of those riders and they actually got paid to take these out to the different counties in the western riders horse riders right horse riders yeah yeah okay so anyway here was my plan william here before we go somebody i ran into somebody who was a great 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 grandson of one of the riders he lives in northern Arizona, and he still has four copies of those circulars, the original ones. Yeah. Okay, so here's what happened. The states would have to ratify, the orig- in this case, the original 13th Amendment. After it was ratified, the writer would have to deliver it to Washington, D.C., to Congress. 
Okay. Apparently in Virginia, it was never received by a writer. So what I was wanting to do was to have a modern day event and get a man dressed as a patriot, a colonial patriot, on a horse riding <laughs> from Virginia to Congress. We filmed the whole thing. We filmed the whole thing. Riding to, to Congress to deliver the announcement that the state had ratified the original 13th Amendment. I wanted to do that. I still want to do that. The state of Virginia did ratify it. But there were, there were there was a minority of people who didn't vote for it, and they lost. But they had friends in the Secretary of State of Virginia's office who mm -hmm. tried to make it look like it had not been received and not been done. So, actually, Virginia did ratify it. Uh, they just, but between the time, see, those legislatures generally met in the winter months before planning. Because planting was an important thing mm -hmm. to grow food. And a lot of these were farmers. But okay. they did ratify it, but it didn't get to the source where it was supposed to go back in D.C. fast enough. That was the Right. Issue. So anyway, we need to have you back on, William. Okay. Another day. I got to go. Okay. That's, that's right. So it's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, we're going to try again to get you on. And maybe you can bring Richard Fine with you. Oh, Richard, I haven't interviewed him in a long time. It's time. Well, see about that. Yeah, Richard it's Fine, I know he is. I've interviewed him twice. He spent time in jail for simply refusing to tell a judge where his bank account was. Because huh. he, couldn't, he couldn't get justice either. The funny thing about Richard Fine, he still believes... That he keeps going to judge after judge after judge, and he ran out of judges in L.A. County. He could get justice. He never got justice. That's my point. He never got justice. It never happened for him. Okay. Well, let's take it up on a next show, maybe in a couple months. All right? Yep. And, uh, and thank day. you so much for coming on, and uh, we yes. won't delay you any further. Adios, amigos. All right, bye-bye. Uh, so, Gary. That was interesting. Uh, very yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. We have to get as much information yeah. out of him uh, before he gets much older. So, uh, But I still find him very sharp at 80 years old. Bingo. And I still want to put on the 13th Amendment uh, on the show page so people can read it. Uh, as a picture of something. And also, uh, what was he saying that I said I would put on the archive page? I think it was some of those interviews he did with uh, Jackson's uh, lawyer. Uh, was it? So I got I to gotta find out. Whatever he can get. Because well, once, could, once he's no longer of this planet, who knows where all this stuff is going to go? We don't right. want to lose it. So, um, yeah. Now, what else? What else did he say? He said that he had some uh, documentation involving uh, that when it was a question between admiralty law and common law. Common law would always win. We want that for your case. Yes. We want and, that. And to put up on the show page for everyone to have access to it too. Right. So on that note, I too have to get going. It's uh, 
4.11 right now. I got a, maybe 45 minutes to still do stuff in the day. So uh, until next time, I want to tell the audience that next week we're going to have Elena Sassauer, who's one of the great American activists who uh, runs the Judge Watch organization. And uh, it's, she's amazing. What'd you get? Judge Judicial Watch. That's Judicial no, Watch. Judicial is, uh, Watch is Tom Fitton's outfit. I, th- I wonder I th- if we could get one too. Huh? Well, oh yeah, but good luck. He because he he gets paid. You know, he's on all the main networks. He gets paid to show up. All right, Tom Fitton. He doesn't justice. do regular cases. He only does this activism stuff that he does. But he needs oh, to be true. paid. He needs to be paid. Tom Fitton. But he does really good work. But I mean, like, it'd be a miracle. Come on. Like what William Wagner said, though, it's not about the money. It's just about truth. And we're at a time now where, well, let's just see who we could pull in. We'll approach him. But Linda, uh, what's her name? Linda Sarsour? Elena. Elena Sarsour. Sorry Sass- about that. Sarsour. <laughs> Sassour, okay, potato, potato, but right, I'd like to say it correct. She is amazing. She's confronted the judiciary like nobody. And and, uh, uh, I went with her uh, and one other activist to this uh, 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 for the uh, review of the Judicial Conduct and Disability Act of 1980 in a Brooklyn federal courthouse where I am proud to say not only did I testify there uh, but um, I brought cameras for the first time in history into a federal courthouse because I argued that it was not a case it was a public hearing and I won please get a follow-up and try and get that document you're talking about and also please uh Get me a picture of that 13th Amendment for the archive page. I want to have it up tonight. Uh, I think we uh, we all need to read that. That's what counts. We have to read. I'm very familiar with it. I got to interview David Dodge, who exposed the whole thing in the 1980s. And, uh, you know, once he discovered it, it's like all hell broke loose. So Is he we still can- around? No, he died. He died about two years ago. I had the, I got the last interview with him. So, nice. Well, maybe we could play that on the show. You know, that'll be good. I can get, I can get you the link. I sent you the link before. All right, it's been nice, Gary. I'm gonna get going. All right, we'll talk. All right. All right. Bye, right, everyone. <laughs> So, all right. So, much better show than the last attempt. Uh, again, apologize for that, but things happen. You know, sometimes people are assholes, and I'll just leave it at that. But uh, this guy we had on tonight is definitely an asshole, and uh, you know, he should inspire everyone. We need to start reading and understanding and teaching our kids what's real because they're taking it away and, and teaching them things that are not real, that they all could be fairies and all that. All I'm going to say is that, you know, all we got to do now is fall in line, but not in the way that they want us to. Till next week.